0: Is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's up, everyone? Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to a Monday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. And we are packed. So much to get to coming out of the last three days. Bombers win. Couple of very interesting Jets preseason games and an 18-year-old player. That is uh, the talk of the Jets fan base right now. After the weekend that Brad Lambert had, we're going to get to all of it. Really looking forward to talking about Lambert, Dale Howard, Chuck, and more with TSN's Dave Poulin. And then we will hit bombers, jets, and much more with Jeff Hamilton before a Monday visit from Lee Hacksaw Hamilton to break down everything that happened in the National Football League as well as look ahead to tonight's Monday night football game um before we get going welcome to everyone with us on YouTube make sure to hit that red subscribe button and tell a friend about WST and a big thanks to the podcast listeners for Making Winnipeg sports talk a part of your day, uh, and a big thanks to the sponsors that make the show happen each and every day, including our friends at cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, not AutoCorp, Consolidated Supply, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health, Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Royal Sports, F Apparel, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug, of course Canadian Club, and uh, of course and the uh, the gang over at Boston Pizza. Big Monday night or tonight. Great spot to be uh, catching it with a few cold ones in your buds. BP, we'll let you know what they've got going on a little bit later on today. Uh, but let's get right into it. We uh, have a lot to discuss. Michael Remus joins me now. Remo,
1: how was uh, how was your weekend? Man, that was an awesome uh, sports oh. weekend in Winnipeg. Holy Friday night. A bomber game or WWE. If that's what you're into at Canada Life. Amazing that both... You know, both big sports, uh, you got the stadium and the arena, both sold out for those events. And I tweeted from Winnipeg Sports Talk, the picture, that great sports site. One guy's like, WWE's not sports. Like, Come on, man, it's sports entertainment. Like, Let's go here. Oh, it's sports. It's, it's sports. it's definitely sports. Okay. <laughs> and we had that. And then Saturday, uh, we had the Howard Chuck statue unveiling. You and I were both there. Uh, thank you for the Jets for giving us those great seats um, for that uh, that event. And then they had the game. Uh, against Edmonton and then NFL yesterday. So, uh, great sports weekend. And, oh, yeah, baseball's winding down. We'll get the playoffs uh, next week. I'll have to rep my uh Mariners gear when they uh, take on the Jays, assuming that's the case. So, yeah, uh, lots J- to get to.
0: The Jays brought out the strobe lights and the champagne fountains for the uh, yeah. clinching of the wild card. Yeah. <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> Still, they can clinch. They need to clinch that first wild card, is what they need. So they've got home. They've got the home uh, field advantage in that first round, uh, and they can do that with a win tonight and a Mariners loss to the Detroit Tigers. We might get to that in the cool bet lines a little bit later on. But listen, there's lots to talk about. What happened actually on the field and on the ice? But you mentioned, and I just wanted to start it off right off the bat by giving a uh, a, a huge tip of the cap to everybody from true north sports and entertainment that was involved in the dale howarchuk statue the statue unveiling and the event on saturday it was absolutely first class and i think everyone expected that but i mean to be honest even my expectations were uh were surpassed um the statue itself is stunning um You know, it it is going to be a centerpiece for hockey fans and Winnipeggers, honestly, um, for many years to come downtown, remembering the incredible legacy of the greatest jet, Dale Howard, Chuck. But Remo, we, you know, as you mentioned, we were there um, in uh, an area right by the statue for the unveiling, hearing the incredible speeches from the likes of Chris King, Paul Coffey, I think certainly Jets associate coach, Scott Arneal, who, you know, was drafted with Dale Howarchuk and came here to Winnipeg with him of a lifelong friendship was probably the most emotional one of them all. Um, And of course, Mark Chipman nailed it with um, his remarks. And of course, Dale's late, uh, Dale's wife, Crystal, as well as the Howarchuk family. It was, um, it was just an amazing, amazing event. Um, The statue itself is phenomenal. And, uh, I just, ha- you know, you have to give them credit for making the most of this and doing Dale an incredible service by maintaining his legacy here in Winnipeg. And uh, basically, I mean, anyone that you talked to on Saturday that was there for it
1: uh, was very thankful that they took the time to come down and be part of such a special event. It was definitely a, a- it felt like it was a big ceremony. It reminded me almost of uh, Whiteout parties. How they closed the street off. They had big screens um, all over. You know, the True North Square big screen, but also ones in the middle of the street. I couldn't see uh, how far back uh, it was because we were sitting down, but it seemed like a pretty packed crowd. Um, you had a number of legends and former teammates there. Uh, you know, speaking Paul Coffey, Mark Shafley, They pointed out Serge Savard in the crowd who was I mean, Paul McClain, so many Dave valid, so many former uh, teammates there. And then they had the big reveal where all the teammates pulled off, uh, pulled off the covering of the statue and it was unveiled. And uh, this is really cool. I didn't realize that you could have a gold statue that was colored in yeah. Jets colors. Um, The logo was looked uh, amazing. Um, I mean, they had the details on the helmet, the gloves, I mean this is the guy who made the statue made the Lemieux statue, the Jordan statue, the Gretzky statue. This is like the elite of elite uh artists doing this thing and and I've said this on here before. You go to other cities, all of them uh have statues um of you know the greatest players in their franchise and franchise history. And so now that there's one in Winnipeg across from the arena, people are taking who can get the best picture with it or you're taking or taking one of yourself with it or of the statue. Uh, this is going to be here for a long time and honors the history of the team. This is super cool.
0: Yeah. And you know, while you've got this picture up, uh, if you're watching with us on YouTube, right down there in the bottom right corner, um, you see, uh, an old pal of mine that I worked for many years with Dorian Morphe, who's the VP of marketing and beside him in the glasses is Josh Dudich, who's the, uh, uh, director of, uh, di- I believe, creative and digital content. I might be butchering what his exact title is, uh, but they were a huge part of this. And uh, Mark Chipman spoke to that as well. So big shout out to those guys. And, and you listen up Balls, the entire production team, everything they did. And then at the game remote, what was amazing, we'll get to the game in a second, the turnaround that they were able to execute of the images from the unveiling, like 45 minutes later, in the game like on the big screens in the jumbotron was really impressive so everyone that was involved in that uh, uh congratulations it was uh, uh i think a moment that jet fans in this city will always be proud of and what a legacy it leaves for the winnipeg jets now i want to talk bombers with you as well but while we're talking about you know the jets and that big event and there's another phenomenal picture of all the crowds on that special day saturday afternoon Pretty fun night at the rink on Saturday. And of course, we didn't have the show Friday for Truth and Reconciliation Day. When we finished the last show, Remo, we had not yet seen Brad Lambert play in exhibition action in the National Hockey League. And now three days later, we're back on the air. Brad Lambert's played two games and the Lambo is the talk of the Winnipeg Jets fan base what an electric performance he had on saturday night he caught the eyes of the fans and it was quite clear he caught the eyes of the head coach as well rick bonus his opportunity and ice time grew throughout the game and then at the end of the game going into 3 on 3 overtime he was getting thrown out every second shift got to shoot in the shootout as well um it was a huge huge couple games in a couple days for brad lambert who is still with the club and Will be getting, I would imagine, some more preseason action to show that maybe he can be responsible for making a very tough decision for the organization when they finally cut
1: down the roster. Yeah, wow, Brad Lambert. Uh, you know, coming into this training camp, we talked about you know maybe he gets a game like at the end of the season, or if there's injuries, a game in the in the NHL. You know, we're not sure if it's WHL or or AHL. Um, you know, he had that rough. Uh, rough uh, world juniors, you know, didn't play well, was healthy, sort of was scratched at the end, and talked about wanting coming in here, wanting to be given an opportunity to play offensive and an opportunity where he can be put in a position to play his best hockey. And, oh, man, was, you see it right away, um, especially in that uh, that overtime on Saturday. But uh, on Thursday, he had two points, you know, skating like the wind up and down. Maybe it's because he's got a number, his jersey's smaller, his jersey ends in seven. And he skates well, reminds me of uh, right-handed Nikolai Ehlers. But uh, um you you really noticed him in that uh, overtime. I mean, I tweeted out the video uh of this rush that he had where he enters the zone at speed, you know, through the neutral zone at speed, turns back, goes to Any the top. Any people of...
0: check that video out?
1: Yeah, so I tweeted out this video thinking, yeah, this was a pretty cool play. Like, I thought this was pretty awesome. Well, I didn't realize everyone else on Twitter thought so too. It's got like... Uh, this highlight of Brad Lambert, he didn't score, but Deke, two guys after zone entry in overtime. Uh, 93,000 views on this <laughs> on this tweet that I sent out. Um, and I think you look at the way the Jets played in overtime last year and how many overtime shootout losses did they have? Like, oh. like nine? Was it 11? Either way, it was the it's difference between many. them making the playoffs and not. And if you don't think this guy can help you... Um, I mean, he, uh, it seems like he, he should at least be given a shot. So I said at the beginning of the training camp, over under him playing any game, chill games like 0. 0.5. Now it's 9.5. Like, are they going to sign him to an <laughs> ELC here and, and give him a tryout? Um, we'll, we'll
0: hear some people for sure from the Jets side of things and some in the media that will be basically saying, all right, everybody, pump the brakes, pump the brakes. No. You're coming gas. to the wrong place. There's no there's no pumping. We are flooring it on the Lambeau right now after this weekend. <laughs> we want to see more of this guy. Um, and, and and listen, I, I, I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek. I mean, this is two preseason games for an 18-year-old player, but it's incredibly exciting. I mean, to think about a guy that was such a high draft pick that for whatever reason saw his stock fall, and he fell to the Winnipeg Jets at 30th to make that sort of an imp- impression in his first camp and his first couple of games in the national hockey league and listen i know fans would like to see more of him and i would be surprised if rick bonus doesn't want to see more of him because he saw about as much of him as he could in that game on saturday night and listen for all of the things that happened very well for lambert and the winnipeg jets maybe the most thrilling play of the entire game got called back on a damn offside challenge The tic-tac-toe pass from Lambert to Perfetti over to Dubois Mm -hmm. was, I mean, it was a jaw-dropping play, and that is the sort of tantalizing skill that, you know, that can really fire up a fan base, and it sure was fun being downtown after the game last night bumping, or a game on Saturday, I should say, bumping into a few fans, and. It was the exact same conversation with everybody. Holy smokes. How about that Lambert kid? Can't wait to see him tomorrow. Now, Frosty Winnipeg says, and I always love these conversations, have to think Lambert's number would go down if he made the club, unless he likes 47. Yeah, that to me, I'm with for you, Frosty. I think that's probably a very traditional training camp number for a young player. Um, if he When he is in the mix at some point for the Winnipeg Jets, I would think that he might take a different number, but who knows? As I say, I don't really care what number is on the back of the jersey right now. I just like to see a little bit more of him. And I would think that he'll get the opportunity to do that in potentially this game coming up on Wednesday against the Calgary Flames. And it was interesting today, Remo, after a number of cuts have been made by the Winnipeg Jets, including Christian Reichel and Stenny Kevin Stenland, that there was Lambert on a line with Perfetti and Toninato. No Pierre-Luc Dubois today. And Connor Scheifele and Wheeler and well, Connor Scheifele Ehlers were a top line and Wheeler was sort of mixing in with those guys. Adam Lowry was with uh, Mason Appleton and Morgan Barron, who still is yet to play in the preseason. And then Perfetti, Toninato, Lambert together, and Menelainen, Gustafsson, and Sam Gagne. And, You know, we'll hear more from Rick Bonus over the next few days as to, you know, what his thoughts is on Brad Lambert. But I can just tell you this, considering what the expectations of many coming out of the World Junior, where he didn't play in the semifinal and final, and, you know, a lot of the narrative around Brad Lambert, who had fell to the Jets at 30th. He erased almost all of it, at least in the mind of Winnipeg Jet fans, with the way that he played on Thursday in Montreal and for his first chance to bring people out of their seats at Canada Life Centre on Saturday night.
1: Yeah, I think there were a lot of questions coming in about lost confidence, you know, about him falling to 30. And I don't know if Jets fans were truly excited. I think you all thought it was a, a really good pick and, you know, a risk. Willing to take, I don't know if it's much of a risk at thirty, but this is looking. He's one of the few players from this past draft um, who's still in an NHL camp, and I, I mean, he looked really good. He was here's the lines on the uh, the lines that Mike McIntyre tweeted out. I'll just say him here: uh, Connor and Shifley and Wheeler and Eilers. I guess they had two pairs rotating through. Morgan Barron, who's back in camp after an injury, with Lowry and Appleton, and that was kind of the pre-training camp line we expected to see. Uh, Cole Perfetti. With Dominic Tony Nato and Brad Lambert, Saku, Menelainen, David Gustafson. Oh, do you, you already said them? And Sam got it. You did say them, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I was okay. must have been reading the chat or something. But Morrissey, DeMello, Dylan Schmidt, Heinle S. Sandberg, Stanley Pionk, Capo Bianco, Kovacevic. And you said uh, the guys who weren't there. So, um, yeah, I that's just,
0: basically so, the way things are looking right now. Um, yeah. and, and no Harkins today as well, um, which is interesting. Um, and Mikhail Burden still, we're not sure what's up with Mikhail Burden, but I imagine there'll be some clarification as we get closer to the beginning of the season. As um, he's just said that he's been away, I believe they recalled it for personal reasons, uh, but there was some speculation as to where he was going to fit in um, with Arvid Holm and uh, Oskari Salminen as the uh, projected two goaltenders for the Moose that I think the organization would love to see get considerable playing time. Um, as far as the defense goes, all the young guys, the guys that are battling for those spots, Tainala, Sandberg, Stanley in the game on Saturday night and Vili got on the score sheet a couple times. And I thought acquitted himself quite well, um, sort of, um, being the, uh, captain of the power play when he had the opportunity, um, still doesn't have like a massive howitzer or anything like that, but was able to get pucks through and made some really good decisions. I am interested to hear uh, about people's thoughts about where Hainala is right now, because for all the good, there was still a turnover that ended up in the back of the jets net in the first period. And, um, you know, I- I'm optimistic about what Billy can do at the NHL level, but I'm also aware that he is in a battle right now with some other players that, you know, certainly are worthy of consideration. And, you You would just love it if you could get through a game or two without one of those gaffes that, you know, end up hurting the team because um, I think everyone knows what Billy can do offensively. I think the concern from the organization is can he handle it in his own end and can he take care of the puck? And at times that has not been the case. But I don't know about you, Remo. I was really impressed with the way Hanela bounced back because it was a really tough way for him to start in such an important game. And I thought after that, I mean his confidence did not waver. He continued to do what's made him a top prospect for the Winnipeg Jets and I think it ended up being a really strong game for Billy Hanlon despite the way it started.
1: Yeah, I uh, you look at I mean you look at the stats. He, he had two assists, he had a goal the other day. I mean, he's had a pretty strong preseason, but the mistakes have definitely uh been there and you like to think those will get cleaned up. Eventually, he definitely brings an element of of offense there on the on the back end that you know, they haven't really had. I do wonder how he fit how he fits in. I've talked about this. You know, they have a lot of you know, if he wasn't in the game, you know, and you know, you don't think Josh Morsey or Neil Pionk could do that. And I think they, in terms of stop play style, they don't have another guy like Sandberg. And I do wonder if Sandberg is ahead of him. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Murat tweeting out they need to cut two defensemen. Um, you know, I think Kapo Bianco and and or though has to go through waivers and then you have those two guys, Sandberg and Hainela, that don't need that don't need waivers and can be sent down. So, you know, does Hainel start with the Moose and you know make his way up eventually and start Sandberg there? Um we'll have to we'll have to wait and see, but I feel like Hainel would be a good good call up if something were to happen with Pionk or or Morrissey and, and maybe doesn't fit in with the truck construction of the defense as it is.
0: Yeah, agreed on all of that. Um, remove if you can, because I do want to get to the Bombers. But let's take here just a little bit of Rick Bonus. Um, we've got three clips on Bones. Um, one very interesting one of the veterans, which we'll sort of finish with. But um, there's two games left. And then the Winnipeg Jets as a team, once they kind of finish their cutdown, are going to be going and doing a bunch of uh, basically a little team building trip out to Banff. So as of right now... You know, the focus, of course, is on Wednesday. Um, I'm sure there'll be a number of players like a Brad Lambert, as we just mentioned, that may very well get another opportunity to show what they can do in the preseason. Um, but overall, with just two games left, Rick Bonus spoke about uh, his approach to these final two exhibition games before a week of prep for the home opener against the Rangers.
2: Well, coaches always take them a lot more serious than the players do. And uh, we're still evaluating. Uh, We're we're not going to have our full lineup in there on on Wednesday, but there's a really good chance on Friday we will. Uh, There's a couple more cuts that have to be made. And... um, you know, we're finally going to get a good look at Morgan Barron. I've been excited to, to get him back in there. I've always wanted to look what Lowry and with Mason and, and, and Barron would look like. So uh, we're going to take a look at that for the next two games. Uh, again, he's a little bit behind because of the injury, which is very unfortunate because he's one of the guys that we had penciled, in. we got to take a real good look at him. So, um, But hey, you deal with, with the way it is, and he'll get a good look the next two games.
0: All right, so there's uh, Rick Bonus tipping his hand. Uh, We probably will see a couple more younger players like a Brad Lambert on Wednesday. And then that final exhibition game on Friday will probably be a pretty good indicator of the team that'll be taking to the ice under the bright lights in game one of 82 against the Rangers on Friday, October 14th in the Jets home opener. Cole Perfetti had two goals on Saturday, was definitely one of the stars of the game as we mentioned that ridiculous offside challenge prevented a beautiful assist to Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, but Rick Bonus talked a little bit about what he's seen from uh, Cole Perfetti so far through training camp in the preseason.
2: Listen, clearly he's, he's done very well and we're, we're, we're very, very happy with what we're seeing. Um, uh, as I talked to him today on the ice, like, don't worry about the, the details of the game without the puck. We'll, we'll teach you those. You get the puck, man. You do your thing. You get a, you're great at finding guys hanging on to pucks and everything. You keep doing those things. We'll, we'll help you with the details of the game. That's our job. And he's a great kid with a great attitude, and he wants to learn. I had a little video session with him last week, and, man, he was all eyes and questions, and I love that.
0: All right, Rick Bonus on Cole Perfetti. Uh, glowing marks for the Young Lions so far earlier through training camp and the preseason. Uh, one more from Bonus, and this is interesting because Kyle Connor, Nikolai Learson, Mark Scheifele did not play in the game on Saturday. Um, we expect to see them back for potentially both of the final two games. Uh, but Rick Bonus did talk a little bit more about his top line and what he's looking to see from them heading into game one of
2: 82. I love the way they find each other. They're able to make plays. They're putting passes through defensemen's skates and sticks. All the little uh, d- details that elite players have. They know where to put the puck and the timing of where to put it and when to put it. Uh, they can put pucks through feet under the sticks and that little triangle between the Ds, feet and the stick, and over sticks. Like They have that innate ability to do that, and that's what we're seeing is that we want them to be creative. We want them to get uh, do this. All those things on the rush, they're hard to defend. But we have the same expectations for them as the rest of the team. If you, without the puck, then we we've, you've got to bear down. You've got to back-check. You've got to make the right reads, just like everybody else. Now, your t- elite players, you always give them a little more freedom because that's what they are. They're the difference makers. Um, but in terms of when we don't have the puck, there are no double standards. We all expect to work hard and back-check and make the right reads.
0: Love that quote from Bones on the weekend just speaking about what is expected of all of his players and you know not having a double standard and i think this goes to establishing a level of accountability for his club that i think we all agreed certainly in the second half of last season did not really seem to be there uh let's get to the why not question of the day um uh, and listen the talk of the town coming out of saturday night was brad lambert um if people weren't talking about the incredible dale howerchuk statue and unveiling and presentation they were talking about the kid they saw wearing number 47 uh, and doing what he did in the game and certainly in the overtime. So why not question of the day today for our friends at not Autocorp at Waverly and McGilvery and online at not.ca in your opinion, now that you've seen Brad Lambert and we'll get another chance to see him in a game or two in the rest of the preseason. Where is the best spot for Brad Lambert this season? Your options are the Western hockey league with a very good team in Seattle Your other option is the Manitoba Moose of the American Hockey League playing here in Winnipeg. And then I'm probably sure there's some of you that are already said, put this kid on the team right now and see how he does, at least for nine games. So hit us up in the comments. Hit us up in the chat with your thoughts on where is the best place for Brad Lambert to play this season based on what you've seen so far for our why not question of the day. We're going to talk about this coming up in just a couple minutes with Dave Poulin. But Remo cannot finish our opening segment without talking about a season sweep of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Now, you know, I'm a wrestling guy. I would have loved to have been with you and the gang down at SmackDown, but it was far too big a game. And what a gorgeous night. What an atmosphere on Truth and Reconciliation Day. Uh, A great, great program by the Bombers. Great halftime. Tons of orange in the building. And it was all Bombers for the first quarter, the second quarter, and the fourth quarter. Not quite the third. um, But 31, is it 13 the final? Bombers clinch a home playoff game and are very close to clinching the West final again. A masterpiece by Zach Caleros. Dalton Schoen with a huge play in the fourth quarter. Rasheed Bailey getting the touchdown early on. And uh, a Bomber defense that looked a lot more like the Bomber defense that was conspicuously absent in their last loss heading into the bye week against the Ticats. What a win.
1: Yeah, wow. What a game. Uh, you didn't think that the Bombers could do it again to Saskatchewan after uh, curb stomping them in the Banjo Bowl, but it was almost a carbon copy. I mean, pretty close. I mean, Zach Leros, I mean, he's been absolute, absolutely elite, throwing for almost 300 yards, uh, receiving touchdowns by Dalton Schoen, who's having a historic... Rookie season and Bombers franchise history. Uh, Rashid Bailey with a touchdown and Nick Dembski. You know, we had so many uh, questions about the run game early in the season. Braid Oliveira with over 100 yards very quietly. And, you know, you saw Dane Evans torch him. The Bombers defense uh, looking good even without Jackson Jeff Jeffcoat. So this was a, a get-right game for the Bombers after losing to Hamilton. And just s- smoking uh Saskatchewan what can you say and uh this ri- rivalry in quotations really hasn't <laughs> been much of one the last couple of years Saskatchewan uh not very good and I don't know with Bo Levi Mitchell becoming uh available you wonder if they may move on from Cody uh to Bo I'm not I'm curious what's gonna happen with Saskatchewan because I think they had a uh, higher expectations for themselves this season
0: well, they certainly did. Um, the Bombers are living up to the expectations, 13-2 and two now on the season. Um, and we'll talk more about it with Jeff Hamilton coming up when he joins us a little later on today. Uh, the other big news in the Canadian Football League was someone that I know has a lot of fans here in Winnipeg, and that, of course, is former Bomber OC and head coach Paul Apelisse who was given the pink slip after another embarrassing loss by his Ottawa Red Blacks. All class on the way out. Lapo put out a statement, looking forward to spending a little bit of time with the family, thanked the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks organization for the opportunity, and made a point of saying that, you know, he certainly did have a great um, uh, great relationship with the new general manager of the club, despite not being his hire. Uh, All that being said, though, it's a results business. And uh, I believe Lapo was 6 and 22 as the head coach of Ottawa. Uh, but we will see Paul Appelis back in the Canadian football league at some point soon. Uh, but an unfortunate end to a guy that, you know, did so much here in Winnipeg and had a lot of people pulling for he and the Red Blacks to uh, have a much better run than they had with Lapo as the head coach for the last couple of years. And they're already in the next year territory now, it seems.
1: Yeah, they got up to a really good start. And then was when Masoli got hurt, it- you know, really went down. Now they had a pretty rough last couple of years. The roster wasn't there, but they made all these off moves, especially in offense, bringing in what Acklin and, uh, Darwin Adams. And he thought with some of these moves that they should be a much better team, but, um, they can't, their offense has been horrible. Um, they've been rotating quarterbacks in and out, even with Caleb Evans and Nick Arbuckle, their play calling they seem to prefer really really short passes um it just hasn't gone well for ottawa and you thought they were going to bounce back and they really haven't so you kind of we kind of i was with some friends at the WWE on friday and you know we saw the score and we're like Ugh, i mean this isn't really going well here for ottawa you have, wonder if they make a change and then the next day they did they did make the change so and shout out to who? Bob Dice taking uh, taking over, interim yeah, uh, head coach. Bobby Dice. Now,
0: uh, you know, he was the special teams coach and obviously has a great history here in Winnipeg mm-hmm. as well. Um, listen, it's cool that Bobby's going to get the opportunity to be that that head coach. I'm not sure whether that's something that he aspires to do or as, as in the past, uh, but you couldn't have a better guy taken over on an interim basis in the aftermath of Paul Appelice, who I'm sure was a very close friend of Paul as well after all that time that they'd worked. And of course, the Elks still can't win at home. I mean, oh, we'll talk about this a little bit I, at I had Hamilton. Them.
1: I had Taylor Cornelius uh, in fantasy. Now I'm like, what was I think? What was I think? Could have had uh, Claris, Like three, three chances inside the 30 in the fourth quarter. No
0: points. Picks. A pick six that ended up winning the game that went 100 yards. I mean, it really is incredible how that team just cannot win at home. But we'll touch on the CFL. Jets, and more with Hamilton coming up, but we're going to talk Brad Lambert and Winnipeg Jets training camp and a little Dale Howarchuk as well with Dave Poulin coming up right away. Uh, But first things first, do want to give a big shout out to our newest sponsor, our friends over at Consolidated Supply. Um, Great supporters and listeners of the program. It's always cool to bring new uh, sponsors on when they are uh, WSTers themselves and I can tell you that Joe Spicy, Gene and the gang over there are uh, always listening to the program and You might need them for a number of things that Consolidated Supply does. If you're in the golf industry, you know about Consolidated Supply. They've been the leaders in turf and equipment for years in and around Winnipeg and Manitoba. Uh, They are the club car dealers. So if you're looking for a golf cart or you want to get a special golf cart tricked out, a four or six passenger for a warehouse, Consolidated Supply is the spot to do it. And when it comes to artificial turf or DIY irrigation systems, Joe and the gang can help you with all of that, whether you're looking to get a better lawn for your property or put in that dream putting green or put in artificial turf in spots where you would prefer not to have real grass. And in addition, some amazing outdoor kitchen projects they've worked on, hot tubs, outdoor kitchens, high-end barbecues and more. Find out more, cte.ca is the website or pop down and see the gang at Consolidated Supply. They're 1395 Niagara Road East. And you can give them a call at 470-3832. Really looking forward to some things that we're hoping to get together with our friends at Wallace & Wallace. We're doing a little bit of work with Josh Morrissey's foundation. Uh, Right now, we've been telling you that this is still a great time if you're in the market for a new garage door to talk to the experts at Wallace & Wallace. Yes, they're the fencing experts. You've seen the cars and trucks, their fences and trucks all around the city for decades. They also work with Clopay, the largest garage door manufacturer in the world, and despite supply chain issues, you can still get a new, brand new garage door delivered and installed in about four weeks, just in time for the snow to fly. And listen, if you have an issue with your garage door, much like Michael Remus and a few other of our listeners have had great experiences with the Wallace & Wallace and staff coming in and servicing your garage door. So if you need something fixed before the snow flies, now's the time to get in touch with Wallace & Wallace. You can do that at wallacedoors.com. Give them a call or check them out uh, at their showroom over on Lawson Road. And uh, with October here... School is back, time to maybe tighten up that diet and maybe add a few more organic or healthy things to it. And of course, our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market are the place to go for the best prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. Uh, And not to mention, with school back, uh, great school-friendly snacks, lunch items, as well as great immunity products for the season. Like vitamin C and D. And of course, they've got great, delicious lunch options on the go, like Vita Market soups, salads, and sandwiches, all available at their Grab and Go Deli. Pop down and check out Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. All right. Jeff Hamilton coming up a little later on. Don't think I forgot about Mahomes beating Brady last night in the Sunday nighter. We will talk NFL at the end of the program, but right now let's welcome in our good friend Dave Poulin of TSN's hockey panel to discuss Brad Lambert training camp for the Winnipeg Jets. And of course the late, great Dale Howard, Chuck I hope you had a great weekend. How are you on this Monday?
3: I'm great on this Monday and you're getting into a, to me now a fun time of the exhibition season and there's a push coming from guys that know maybe their last game or whatever. And you don't know how this is all going to play out, but I can clearly remember it would have been my first full training camp. We had a young 18 year old kid named Derek Smith and he was a third round pick and didn't show anything. And then they told him he was going down after the next game and he was best player in the game. And that honestly, I think, set up an unbelievable year for him. And he came back as a 19-year-old and made the hockey club. I think on the strength of a single game when he felt no pressure because he knew he was going back to Peterborough and junior. And so you watch for things like that to happen. There's so much pressure on these kids coming in. But, you know, it's a fun, fun time to watch for me because it just gets not regular season, but it gets ramped up just that little bit.
0: Well, this is a perfect segue then. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about Dale Howardchuck in a minute and everything that, w- that went on here in Winnipeg on Saturday. But uh, I think people would kill me if we didn't get right into Brad Lambert after what you just mentioned. Uh, Dave, you did the game in Montreal a few days ago. Of course, he played again and played a lot, especially late in the game and in overtime and brought fans out of their seats at uh, Canada Life Centre on Saturday night. There's been a lot of talk about this young man. He was supposed to be a very early pick. The Jets somehow were able, was able to draft him at 30th overall. First off, just through the limited amount you've seen him on the ice so far in the exhibition season, what have you been thinking when you've seen this young Finn that's has the most Canadian name ever?
3: Well, young Finn is the, is the starting point, right? It's a unique story because there's so much Canadian heritage in him and he grows up in Finland, comes back for a year, goes back over, um, you know, well-documented with his dad being a player and and his uncle Lane, of course, who's the head coach of New York Islanders. And and I did see him. I did the game in Montreal on Thursday night. So firsthand got to see him, but also got to see him away from the puck. And I like to watch guys in the exhibition that aren't, quite frankly, aren't on camera, right? They're away from the puck and, and how are they doing and what's going on. And, and you could see the confidence in his game. And, and that's evident right away. He's comfortable. And you don't say that a lot about 18-year-olds. But if we go back two years, my first eyes were on him, I think, as a double underager at the U18s, because I do those games. And he came on like a whirlwind. Well, when someone does it that young, they have two full years to pick you apart. And I honestly think that's what happened. I think the expectations were so high for where this kid was going to go. You know, the preliminary draft rankings that came out Yeah, they might have had him in the top 10 somewhere. But you form your opinion over time with that player, and you do your homework on why people are picking him apart, You know how he may fall to you. Mm -hmm. And I'll guarantee you, Andrew, the anxious moments between number 14 where Rutger McGlorey was picked and knowing their next pick was 30, and if they had their sights set on Brad Lambert, as I'm sure they did, if he was going to get there, if you move up to get him. Like what's going to happen there? Like all those thoughts would be rushing through their heads. And I'm thinking that that group was pretty excited when he was still available at number 30. And, you know, I just think it's the expectations. And when you are that highly thought of that young, I mean, he was playing pro hockey he was 16. And you could just picture him walking into that grizzled locker room with some of those guys. Cause I played over there for a year in Sweden. And, you know, I, when I walked in the locker room for the first time, I'm looking at some legendary veterans, you know, mid-30s, and they'd be looking at this 16-year-old like, who are you and where are you going? But right now, he's deciding where he's going. Uh, I love when a young kid puts pressure on an organization like this right away. And it's t- it's they've got to put him in the thought process. It's perfect. It's exactly what you're looking for from a young player.
0: You know, I mean, listen – Two, three weeks ago when the World Juniors were happening, we were wondering why he wasn't playing in the semifinal and the final game. And certainly, Dave, he had a tough season last year and saw that stock dropped, as you mentioned. Um, can all of that be erased when you walk into an NHL locker room for the first time and realize, hey, I'm here for a reason? Because he seems to be, we, we talked a lot about, oh, did he lose his confidence last year? Uh, it hasn't looked like he's lacking any confidence so far with the Winnipeg Jets, I'll tell you that. Well,
3: it didn't in Montreal, and they were down 3-2 in the third period, and turned the puck over, and he looked flawless in the way he picked it up, and then the decision he made to shoot the puck when he did. He also had an assist earlier in the game. But, you know, I I really believe that a lot of these kids over the last couple years, with what they've gone through in the pandemic, have just not had normal development curves. And yes, it was different. He was playing, he was playing in Finland, but still the curve wasn't normal. And now you're saying, from a development standpoint, I like a guy to be a big fish. Now he'd have been a big fish as a 15 year old in Finland, but then making the decision to play pro as a 16 year old that can go one of two ways. You can lose your confidence through that because you're playing against men, and and the best players at some point have to be able to dominate and have to know what that's like. Well, that came when he came and played with his own age group at that age because if you think about him. I think it was might have been the second year at the U 17s or the first year at the World Juniors, whatever it was, he was dynamite with his own age group. But you can see that if the Jets are looking at it now, like, well, we we maybe have tucked some development challenges that he's already been through, that you might experience for the first time in the American League playing against men. And he's already experienced them. So he's been through some things. I think with the last couple of drafts, we're gonna see players taken lower down that were taken lower down for wrong reasons didn't get enough viewings it started so high like a kid like this and dropped I think it's going to be really hard to judge and I think you're going to see kids come out of the second and third rounds and late in the first round that you know in a perfect world with a perfect environment which none of us have had over the last couple of years would have been drafted much higher
0: Dave Poulin of TSN's hockey panel with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Dave, so uh, take us inside the uh, the brain trust of the uh, Jets right now, seeing what this young man is doing. And I mean, I'll be honest, I mean, I think the questions coming out of the World Junior where it was, well, where's the best place for this young man to play this year? I mean, there's a lot of talk that he'd go to the Western Hockey League and go back and play junior hockey. There's the potential, because he's a European player, to play with the Manitoba Moose. And I mean, I don't think we've ever had a serious conversation about him maybe sticking around in the National Hockey League, but I'd be lying if there weren't some people hitting me up after the game on Saturday saying, can that possibly be in the cards? Um, I, this is very, very early, and the Jets have been a team that traditionally has been more conservative when it comes to playing their younger players early, but there's also a new coach in town. I mean, what do you make of all of that around Lambert in particular at this point of training camp with only a couple preseason games remaining?
3: Well, my answer is yes, but yes, 17 different questions. So it's yes, <laughs> I think that, okay, uh, the last young player that's come in and forced their hand after one year at the University of Michigan, Kyle Connor, like came in, essentially give them no choice, right? Like I'm playing. And, and if the player does that, Andrew, that's a perfect world. It's not you trying to force him into the lineup And like no one, no one forced Brad Lambert on the lineup in Montreal. He was playing, you know, on the, I think he started maybe on the third line and, you know, and going into the game, no one was predicting by the end of the next game, he'd be playing in overtime and doing some pretty cool things in overtime. So I do think that just as you and I, Hey, look, you and I are allowed to have this conversation, right? It's a beautiful Monday and we can have this conversation but this conversation is going on in other places as well and and it might start with the head coach and one of his assistants it might start over coffee the next morning and it might it might be like yeah you went back and watched the film what did you see and and the answer might be i saw more good things than we saw during the game and, and these are the conversations that go on and that's exactly what it is and the brain trust right now you know, the, the most interesting one will be when the head coach and the GM sit down and talk about their opening night lineup. Because I know, quite frankly, the mutual respect they would have for each other, and part of Rick Bonus getting the job was the amount of respect you have for him, you know, as a head coach in the National Hockey League and what he's been through. And they'll look for like players that that they've played up over the years. You know, it might have been might have been Rick's assistancy in in Tampa. It might have been, you know, somewhere as a head coach when they said, yeah, we kept this kid up and it didn't work out, or we kept this kid up and it did work out. So they'll go through all the different machinations of how it may look. Would it shock me on opening night if you were in the lineup? Mm -hmm. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't. And, you know, I Mm -hmm. think for the Jets to take the next step, they need a couple of kids really pushing, both up front and from the back end. It may be a Cole Perfetti, um, you know, it, it may be David Gustafson imposing his way in, uh, it may be Vili Hanola. It may be any one of the above. It may be all of the above, but, but some of these young players have to force their way into this lineup.
0: Andrew. Dave, let's say he even gets a couple of games, but they feel, Hey, 18 years old, not ready for a full national hockey league schedule. Just in your thoughts, what are the pros and cons to returning to junior hockey or, beginning your career as a North American pro playing with the Manitoba Moose, if it comes down to that option for the organization.
3: You'd have to factor in that. He's already played a couple of years pro and, and that may trigger it. Um, where is junior rights held? Andrew, I should know that. And I don't.
0: Uh, it's the, um, uh, uh, out in Seattle.
3: Okay. Okay. So good organization. And, you know, that's part of it and where it's going. And you'd have a conversation for sure out of respect to the head coach and the general manager there and say, you know, what would your plans be? How would it look now? They'd be champing at the bit, right? To get a player like that for sure. But it's what's in the best interest of the player. And I think each player has to be handled individually. I don't think it's a blanket statement to say, hey, here's what's going to happen. Here's, you know, here's where we're going to go with this every single time. And while the Jets have been conservative with the young players, I gave you a pretty good example in Kyle Connor of one they weren't conservative with. And they'll look at this individual. And just as I said, this may have been a case of a number of scouts around the National Hockey League simply overthinking it.
0: Dave Poulin's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Dave, everyone's talking about Lambert right now coming out of these last couple of games. Um, But, you know, going back to the game in Montreal and really on the weekend as well, the big focus I think on the blue line has been, Billy Hanula, Dylan Sandberg, Logan Stanley who all seemingly are in a a bit of a battle for that sixth spot on the Jet Blue line. Um what have you uh, what did you see and uh, what do you think about that battle internally between three young defensemen trying to hold down a spot?
3: Well, arguably Hanula fits the mold of what Rick Bonus wants to do in terms of having his D up in the play. I know he's put expectations very high for he wants more out of his out of his defense and you know. You're gonna stretch me here, but I think the mid twenties were where the Jets had as a group from their goal total last year as defensemen. Yes, yeah,
0: twenty-four, uh, I think. Okay. And Rick Bonus said that
3: wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. So if you're looking at those three players and you're saying that's not enough, who can ramp it up the most? And now there may be you may say, Okay, we've got to balance the offense and defense here. Who could have really Villy a play with? And that might let him Really be creative. I believe he has five points in his preseason and has looked good, offensively. Has he made some mistakes defensively? Yes, he has. And what a what a good young player like that will he's such an exceptional skater will learn to do is use his feet more on on defense in his stick and not put his body in a position to be outmanned. and And that just comes with experience. So I think he would have the edge for me in terms of if your coach says the mandate is for the d to get up in the play and get involved more. And you know, and even the forwards have to get used to this too, because there were a couple of good plays in in Montreal where the forward swung out high and essentially exchanged positions with the D, with the D going hard to the net, um, and they had a couple of good scoring opportunities like that. So, I think best suited for that is probably Hano.
0: Dave, uh, today in practice, Rick Bonus had a scrimmage. With every player using the wrong-handed stick, um, it's kind of been neat seeing you know this new atmosphere around Rick Bonus. But um, I mean, you've known the man, uh, but now we've seen what he's doing. We've heard some very interest, interesting comments in the media, which, to be honest, have been refreshing. They've been honest and they've been very unlike things that we, to be honest, heard in the past. Um, what have you made of the first few weeks of Bones back here in Winnipeg? And, and what are you hearing when he speaks and how that means he's trying to, uh, you know, establish new ways of doing things here in Winnipeg?
3: Well, I have a rather unique perspective because I played on the team when he was the first time head coach in the National Hockey League in Boston. So I'm hearing that young voice yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing new. Uh, and we had a terrific year in Boston and it we were – We went to the conference finals we swept montreal for the first time in the history of the montreal boston series and we did so without ray bork and cam neely who were both injured and rick was unceremoniously fired at the end of one year um and you know harry Sinden wanted brian Sutter to coach his hockey team and brian was available so uh i remember you know my my thoughts of rick are very positive as a player um, I had a good year selfishly and that's a factor, but you know, he played me a ton. And so I, you watch people like that's career, right? You watch them go on and and you still see flashes of it. He's growing, obviously has had a tremendous career as both an assistant associate and head coach, all three of those in the national hockey league, but it's a pretty sage voice right now. And what you get with that experience are comparison points, you know, in, in terms of how your team is reacting um, When they need a moment of levity, like humbling an NHL player by having him shoot left rather than right. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And and I think that's all part of it because we have to remember, this is still called a game, Andrew. And I know it gets fairly serious at points, but it's still a game.
0: Well, they're having fun. It certainly seems like uh, there's a lot of laughs out there from reporting from the guys that are down there. Um, And there has been some light moments. There's been some laughs. There's been some fun, but there's also been some very frank and honest comments To the media, and he was very clear, he said this all to the players first before he says it to the folks there to get it to the fans. Um, But, I mean, challenging his veteran players, I mean, the veteran players cannot be the problem was a comment coming out of the first game. Um, And then talked about the responsibility of two-way play of your top line. Um, It it, it seems like there's some pretty clear directives, and Rick Bonus isn't shy to tell anybody about how he wants his team to play going into the season.
3: And that's all a player should want. And players will say they want that direct and and honest opinion from a coach. But some of them don't. Some of them just don't. And it takes some getting used to. But when he is saying it to you first, and by the way, when it's very accurate, then it is what it is. And, you know, I I found it refreshing when a coach was like that and very open and candid with me. But that was just my personality. And, you know, I wanted to be challenged and I I wanted to get better. And I also wanted to be told, and you know, I I had it early on. I had it from a couple of different angles because I also had it coming at me from the general manager, which is rare. But my relationship with Bobby Clark, we had been roommates and teammates. And he was, he did everything for me as a young player. So when he became GM, he would come directly to me. And, and, you know, it could be as simple as saying, hey, you're not moving your feet. And I'd say, I am, I am moving my feet and say, no, you're not skating. And, you know, I, I welcomed that and liked it and, By the way, he was right. (laughs) And I think when players realize that, um, they can't have much of a beef.
0: Dave, before we go, uh, Saturday was a real special day here in Winnipeg. Um, An an absolutely first class ceremony and presentation by um, the Jets and True North. Um, and, you know, to seeing all of Dale Harachuk's former teammates and having Chris King back here and speak and a real emotional speech from Scott O'Neill, it was um, it was an incredibly special day for a special person and a guy that's going to live on forever here in the city of Winnipeg. I just wanted to ask you if, if you caught that, what you were feeling when you saw that. And, um, you know, with someone that had a pretty interesting stint playing alongside Dale Harachuk, what you remembered about that Jet legend?
3: Well, I made sure I caught some of it because I knew how the Winnipeg Jets would handle it. And, you know, uh, from Mark Chipman on down through several off and, and everybody there, Zinger and, and the group that knew him so well and that handled him and what he meant to the city. Um, first off, as a player, this may sound crazy. I, I thought he was underrated. Now, you would look at me and say, how can a Hall of Famer be underrated? That's how good I thought he was. And I only had to face him a couple of times a year because they were in the west and I was always in the east but I just thought he was a tremendous player he was a nightmare for me to play against and that was always my role and then in 1987 uh in team and it started in a rendezvous camp so rather than play an all-star game we played two games against the great Russian Red Army team and and you know I, I'm not being humble here I had no expectations of making that team I in fact we made family plans for that week and and it was a big family weekend for us. And all of a sudden, I made the team. And when I arrived, I had no idea what they were thinking. And they called three of us together. It was Kevin Denine from Hartford and Dale and myself. And they said, OK, gentlemen, uh, Pooley, you're going to play the left wing. And we're going to play you against the great KLM line. Now, that Krutov-Laryanov-Makarov line with Fatisov and Kasatanov had played together I believe, for 16 years at that point. They started as 12-year-olds. They were 28. Larionov was only 10. And they knew a whole different game than anybody knew. And I believe had a huge influence on the game today as it's played in North America and around the world. And so I remember looking at Kevin and looking at Dale, and the coaches said, we want you to go heads up against And Now it's pretty clear. Dave, we're moving you to the wing, but you know what you have to do. And Kevin, it's pretty clear that you know what you have to do. And by the way, if you are able to get the puck away from them, that's why Dale Howard, is standing here. Cause he can possess better than anybody in the world. So if you do get it, don't you two think about keeping it, you give it to him because then you have a chance and you have a chance against that line. And we went out and we actually shut down that line in both games. And we scored two of the four goals that opening night. And I marveled at how good Dale Howerchuk was to play with. I knew how good he was to play against, but how good he was to play with his puck possession skills, his vision, his, his sight lines of the game when you're on the receiving end were just tremendous. So you know, it was so sad to see him go so early. And and I think fondly of someone I didn't know well and yet had a professional opportunity to see on both sides of it and much preferred to be on his side.
0: Well, hopefully we'll see in the peg sometime soon, Poole, and you can see it for yourself. It is a stunning statue, Um, you know, absolutely world class right outside the arena and uh, will be a real highlight, I think, for hockey fans coming through downtown Winnipeg over the uh, years to come. Uh, thanks so much for doing this. Hey, you have a uh, any lean on this football game tonight? Niners Rams. <laughs> I'm trying to pull everyone watched, I know.
3: I watched just for entertainment purposes, my friend. <laughs> that's that's the extent of it for me.
0: <laughs> Do you have a team?
3: Uh, I don't. I don't. I got I got pretty involved when I was in Philadelphia. I became real friendly with a young defensive backs coach um, who went on to some pretty good things, named Jeff Fisher. And so played golf with, with Jeff on a regular basis. So he'd drag out that whole crew ended up being head coaches, Richie Kotite, Wade Phillips. They were all buddy Ryan staff. And so I watched it, you know, i always watched where Jeff was and how things were going with him, but, but I really don't have a team. Um, All my years in Indiana and South Bend, that's big time Chicago bears land. um, And that's a hard team to cheer for, but I I really don't. I love the game. Uh, I love watching the game, but I don't, I'm not a diehard
0: fan of any one team. I was wondering if all those years in South Bend turned you into a disgruntled bears fan, because there are many of them right now for sure. Pooley. Thanks so much for the chat as always. Have a great week. And we'll look forward to catching up soon.
3: Enjoy your day, Andrew. Thanks.
0: All right. Great stuff with Dave Pooley. as always folks, don't forget why not question of the day revolves around Brad Lambert who brought fans out of their seats Saturday night at Canada life center Where do you think is best for the player and the organization for him to play this year? Western Hockey League, American Hockey League, or maybe there's a few people that would like a little taste of real live NHL action. Hit us up in the comments of the YouTube uh, of today's episode, as well as in the chat if you're with us live. Speaking of not AutoCorp, another big week at Knott's. saw pal Andre Clark, sales manager yesterday, and they have been busy lately, had a great week. and. It's going to be busy heading into October before the snow flies. If you're thinking that it is time to get into a new ride or upgrade your current vehicle, make sure you start your search over at Not Auto Corp. Uh, Knot has been great supporters of ours and have been getting Manitobans into their dream vehicles for years at amazing prices. So why not get into the car of your dreams at an incredible deal with the help of the Knot team? And I was out, I saw Trevor Knott on the weekend, got a chance to ride in one of the Teslas. Every time I'm in one of those vehicles, it just blows me away even more. Uh, if you've been thinking about an electric vehicle, but you've never had a chance to try one before, pop down to not. They've been the Tesla sales leaders for years here in Winnipeg. We've got an amazing Tesla experience program to teach you. All you need to know about making the transition from a traditional vehicle to an electric. Not AutoCorp, is it? Waverly and McGilvery? Pop down and see them in person or check them out online at not.ca. Great Monday Nighter tonight. We'll get to that coming up in the Cool Bet Lines a little later on. Of course, let you know what's happening at Boston Pizza. But for all you NFL fans, if you haven't got over to Royal Sports just yet, they are packed and ready to go with the entire. 32 teams slayed to the National Football League with the latest merchandise and jerseys available. Royal Sports, not only your spot for NFL merchandise, bomber gear, thousands of pieces of Winnipeg Jets merchandise, as well as Blue Jays, Raptors, Canada soccer, and more. And of course, with hockey season here, you probably already know that Royal Sports has been the hockey superstore in Winnipeg for four decades Whatever your hockey needs, right down to skate sharpening by the experts. Royal Sports has you covered. Royal Sports 750 Pemina Highway. Make sure you check them out online as well at uh Royal Sports Pemina on Instagram for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Well, uh you've but the people have asked, the people came through. And we have promised we will be doing a suit show and we can now say it's official folks friday's show episode 400 of winnipeg sports talk we'll be doing it and i'm personally excited because I get to show off my new suit from f apparel the leader in men's clothing in town with custom suits starting at just 400 andrew and his staff took such great care of us the entire process was a breeze got a chance to pop down pick the style that i wanted went through a few different fabrics colors Got measured up, and a few weeks later had a beautiful new suit that'll take me through the entire winter. And fellas, if you're in a wedding or a wedding party, make sure to talk to the gang at F Apparel about a 15% discount when the wedding party gets their suits from F. Pop down and see them, 190 Smith Street downtown, online to make an appointment or find out more at F. That's ephapparel.com. And if you want to see the goods in person, make sure you join us on Friday's edition of winnipeg sports talk and of course a big shout out to our friends at canadian club we had a bomber game last week we'll have a bomber game coming up this week and there was uh let's just say there was quite a bit of cc being poured at ig field in a sold out crowd on friday night between the bombers and the saskatchewan rough Riders. and in addition to uh cc and those ryan cokes The amazing Canadian club in Ginger Rail was uh, quite well represented as well because, of course, it's ready to drink in cans right now. If you haven't tried it, what are you waiting for? Pop by your local Manitoba Liquor Mart or beer store to grab it in six packs or try it at the game this weekend when the Bombers host the Edmonton Elks Canadian Club. Great sponsor, Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, of course, your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. All right. Been looking forward to this for a few days. Let's get the hammer on here after such a great sports weekend. Jeff Hamilton, Winnipeg Free Press.
4: welcome back to the program. How was your weekend? Oh, it was awesome. very much like the weekend last weekend and the weekend before that and the weekend before that. but uh, it's been great. Bombers Friday. Saturday I technically got off. I actually got around to golf in um, which was nice. I was at Glendale. I can report I didn't get any aces so nothing <laughs> to uh, <laughs> nothing nearly even close and then Sunday, a little double duty, some Bomber coverage, and then uh, covered the Jets practice. Helped produce some of those quotes you were you were uh, uh, welcoming in your opening segment. Those were beauties.
0: On. Those were beauties. Listen, there's so much to get to, but just quickly on the weather, like this weekend overall, beautiful. I, I mean, I can't remember a weekend at this point in the year that was that perfect from start to finish. I mean, the the, the weather for the game on Friday night was a dream and i think that was a big part of why you had such a great turnout of course for it um and also a great one and then yesterday it was so damn nice la- out last night i got home from a bit of an afternoon shift watching football with the fellas to focus in on the chiefs bucks game ended up pulling the tv out onto the deck and watching it it was that beautiful all night so No complaints right now. Hopefully we can squeeze this out. I I tell you what, let's start with the Bombers because I think a number of our Jets topics and hockey topics might take us a while. Um, (laughs) A resounding comeback by the Blue and Gold after a bye week and their most lopsided loss basically in years. Just what the team needed, a visit from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to get things right. Uh, What did you think of the performance uh, over the course of 60 minutes by the
4: Bombers as they went to 13-2, Jeff? Yeah, I think it was pretty complete. I mean, uh, you know, even that Hamilton game the, you know, to give up 48 points and you know, your offense still put up 31. So it wasn't like it was all bad. It just wasn't characteristic of this team and, you know, the questions were was it just is it a coincidence that both losses this season cuz you got to remember this team's 13 and 2. So there's not a lot of uh, alarm bells ringing over over a loss, right? But uh both were were games going into the bye week and um, you know, as I wrote after that game that Hamilton lost, was uh, it doesn't really doesn't really make sense to to make a big deal out of it, uh, out of this or or add any concern because we'll see what their response was because when they lost to Montreal in Week Ten, they had you know the excuse, if you will, that they had played ten straight weeks, they were tired, and that was a game they should have won. Uh, as we know, we don't have to go into Mark Leggio's game, um, but that was a game the Bombers could have easily won. The Hamilton game, not so much. There was that opportunity to come back in the fourth quarter when they made it a 10-point game, and they just needed really needed a, a stop from their defense and what was an uncharacteristic performance by that group in that game. Um, so it was a little bit different going into this bye week, but sure enough, I mean, and I don't know if it was Perfect timing with the Rough Riders in in uh, you know in town and you know a team that's just been reeling all season and they're in their season's fascinating. Um, maybe we'll talk about that, but uh, certainly the certainly the what the doctor ordered and and the Bombers delivered with a pretty convincing win that had a bit of hiccups in the second half, but ultimately ended uh, in the same fashion as a lot of games have this season.
0: Yeah, it, it was sort of weird. I mean, the Bombers completely dominated the first quarter, the second quarter, and the fourth quarter little slow offensively in the third. I, I'm not sure about this for sure, but I was paying quite close attention to a Zach Calero's passing yards prop. You can use I your think, two hands. Hussey. I think you could use your two hands. I, you could have
4: counted them out. in
0: the- I mean, yeah, I think he had 162 at the end of the first half and 162 at the end of the third quarter. And then six minutes later, he was at just about 300 yards and the Bombers were running away with it. It is incredible the way this team is able to elevate its level of play in the fourth quarter. It's happened all season long, with the lone exception of not being able to get off that field on that seven-minute drive against the Ticats last week. We did not see that on Friday night at
1: home.
4: No, and I mean... I want to say that the the Riders are a, you know a worse team, but Hamilton's pretty bad too, and and banged up just as much as as uh, as the Riders. Maybe Saskatchewan has the edge there a little bit. They haven't had a lot of luck in the injury department to be sure, but they did get a few guys back, including Dan Clark on their offensive line. So that you know, I don't think you were looking at necessarily a dramatic, um, you know, positive change, but a positive one, you know, nonetheless. And so. I just think it's it's one of those things where this this defense they've just that's what was so shocking against the Ticats was I I thought I think as many people did that when they got within ten points when the offense you know put together back to back touchdown drives in Hamilton that if this defense that we've seen many times before shut the door in the fourth quarter does that in this moment this game's up for grabs you know I think Winnipeg comes back and makes it a one score game whether that be a you know a touchdown or a field goal right away whatever um but yeah certainly right back to the script as they as they like to call it um the dark side defense shutting the lights out by the end of the you know by the ends of the game and and i mean i think this is just another big example um there have been there have been several in the bombers in the bombers games as people say you know look like bombers don't play all that great but they win by two three four points right and it's a super close game but when you look at when you look at the script it's finishing finishing drives with touchdowns not with field goals and and You know, Friday night was just another example of the Bombers defense, in some cases, bending, um, but not breaking and limiting at most three points and giving the offense an opportunity to go the other way and, you know, take the lead as they did in the fourth quarter.
0: You know, uh, a lot of love for uh, Zach Caleros and Dalton Shones, incredible rookie season Hmm. continues, Rasheed Bailey having a big one, but, you know, some love in the chat for Brady Oliveira. And I oh, think you didn't even mention
4: Nick Dembski, who's got seven touchdowns well, in five Dem- games. Dembski or is he a whole Dembski, other segment on uh, his own? I,
0: literally, Dembski owns the Saskatchewan Roughriders ever yeah. since he came here to Winnipeg. Like, I don't know what the numbers are off the top of my head, but he seems to get in the end zone every single time these teams play. Um, and listen, it was a lot about the passing, but man, has Brady Oliveira just, I mean, you've been covering him very closely, Jeff, for the last couple seasons. There was a ton of pressure on his shoulders coming in with Andrew Harris leaving. And the first few games, I think, had a lot of people questioning whether the Bombers made the right decision. Um, what what do you think the key has been to getting him to the level? Was it just a matter of connecting with the offensive line and being a little bit more comfortable in? Because the Bombers do seem to now have a running game that, rem- reminiscent of previous years... When they need a few yards, they're getting it. When they need to move the chains, they're getting it. And that is so important in the fourth quarter. And you know it's going to be important come the playoffs.
4: You know, I've been, you know, and I'm not just saying this because it seems to be, you know, the right judgment call. I've been high on Brady Oliveira for a while. And, you know, my colleagues will certainly say, you know, we'll certainly have those debates after the first few games this season um, thinking, okay, is, is Johnny Augustine the starter, right? I mean, how many people were, were calling for him to take over significant reps? And then, you know, to credit to Johnny too, I mean, he had shown those bursts and an ability, particularly an average run that he warranted more touch, touches. But um, I just, the thing that I, and the reason why I've always been high on Brady Oliveira was his confidence. He was always a confident guy. I mean, and it wasn't one of those, you know, guys that come out and, you know that 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 kind of confidence turns is actually cockiness and it kind of rubs you the wrong way and you know just gives you a bad whatever this was more of a, a quiet confidence who came out you know saying he wanted to fill the stands in his first you know in his first uh you know first press conference and you know anyway my point in saying that is that 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 confidence was there all the way through 2021 and you know having conversations with them at the Great Cup he was saying stuff like, you know, I don't want, you know, I don't want this, the torch to be passed. I want to grab it from Andrew's hands and run with this like this. I want this to be my team. And he wasn't saying it disrespectful to Andrew Harris. He's got nothing but respect for Andrew Harris. It just spoke to what, you know, this confidence that you need to excel at, at the pro level. And, but I, what I think happened was once he got his wish, once he signed a higher contract, once, once, you know, Andrew Harris was no longer in the picture and, and went to Toronto I think the lights got a little bit too bright for him. I think he started to change thinking he needed to be, you know, needed to be Andrew Harris. He started, he put on a ton of weight. He put on like 13, 15 pounds thinking that he was going to be this, you know, whatever big truck of a guy. And he wasn't, he is a guy, you know, he's a big guy, but he, he, he kind of took it off. And so now he's playing just at a, you know, at a proper weight. He's playing that punishing guy. He's trying to be, you know, like he put the weight back. I, I should have said he put the weight back on. He, you know, he went back to the guy who he's always been—that north-south runner. Um, you know, where he was in UND, where he was when he came in for Andrew Harris for one or two starts. Uh, and got 100 yards on a couple different occasions he's back to that confident player and as you mentioned you know it'd be naive to ignore the fact that the, the offensive line had gone through its troubles early in the season Michael, Michael Couture the quarterback center of the of the offensive line was knocked out in the first game and they had to had to work out on the fly Jamarcus Hardrick hasn't had the same kind of season that he's had in previous years you've seen you know Stanley Bryant isn't getting any younger at 36 years old he's starting to not even, he didn't even practice this past week I don't know if that's a sign of something that might be nagging them or something that they, you know, they they do moving forward just to preserve his health or whatever. Um, but, you know, that, all that need to come into play. And I think, again, it's just grown. His confidence has grown uh, with each week, and he's gotten better with each week. And he's just been able to put together a consistent game for all those reasons. Um,
0: Hammer, there's three games left in the regular season. Elks and then a back-to-back against BC. And I, I noticed from Ed Tate, um, who tweeted out today, that the Bombers, uh, B.C., if they won out, could clinch the West. So, I mean, those games are meaningful at the end. How do you, and we've seen in the past, the Bombers, when they, like last year, they had the luxury of essentially clinching with four games left in the year, sat some guys out. Um, how do you think the coaching staff approaches Edmonton and those two games against B.C. with the goal of being as healthy as possible in the
4: West final here in Winnipeg? Well, I think the goal, as you, know, as you say off the top, uh, Huss, is that I, I think you need to be, you need to be clinching the West first. You're not going into, edmi- and look at this team is, and Mike Shea in particular is never really, you know, he's been advised by his medical staff, including last season about how to, you know, approach these games from a fitness level, but he always takes the approach. You know, he never really deals with what ifs, like what if a guy gets hurt or what if a guy does this? I mean, if a guy's banged up and could use the break, that's coming from Al Couture, uh, you know, the the, the head athletic therapist on this team um you know who's saying look I, you know if you if you don't need them this would be the benefit the thing is is they're going to need them against edmonton they're going to need that you know they're going to need them probably for the last two games at least one of those games against bc because you know as you mentioned that that whole idea of bc being able to clinch the west having to win out well that includes two victories against the bombers you know in, in uh you know in Two of their games remaining. It's the last two games for the bombers because they have a bi week sandwiched in between those, but they you know, that would have to be two losses to BC. And um, so a lot of that can change ultimately if BC loses. This week, uh, I don't think they have the buy this week. But if they lose a game before they play the Bombers, then it's not it's not an issue if the Bombers continue winning as I think they should. You know, at home against a you know a bad Edmonton team. Um, but yeah, it's still up in the air. I mean, for a long time there, the narrative or the talk was it was Calgary and BC fighting for second place. Well, you know, the Vernon Adams now led BC Lions are not that bad and probably could win. Now, are they better than the Bombers? Probably not and shouldn't beat them in both those games. But if they do rise to the occasion and beat both those, you know, earn victories in both those games, then the Bombers could quite possibly be be hosting the, you know, the West West semi. um, And you're not thinking about whether guys are being rested for that bye week in the second last week. So we'll see what happens here. I still think the Bombers obviously control their destiny, and uh, I think they will end up winning out the West. I just I don't think it's gonna be as soon uh or as quickly as it was last season when they had a whole month to figure things out.
0: Oh, I see Chat sixty nine has showed up. It's always see Chat Sixty Nine always seems to pop in when Jeff Hamilton's it must on be all the tabs, of tabs I have to... up. You
4: can't see my computer from here. <laughs> <is> it's okay.
0: <laughs> uh hey, <laughs> real right, quick uh, real quick on the way out, um, before we get to the puck, um the end of Lapo in Ottawa and um certain point i mean he's got a lot of fans there's a lot of people in ottawa that really wished him the best but um they just simply didn't win enough football games and had some real embarrassing losses this year and uh that's it and uh bobby dice does get the opportunity to finish it up it just seems like the red blacks are already on the next year and knowing that they're going to be making a move they did it now
4: yeah you know i watched part of the <clears throat> that press conference today with sean burke and uh you know members of the of the ownership group and I don't know. I, you know, I, does it surprise me? I think they would have done this if they done this earlier. If they had a plan in place to call those, I think, as you said, they're looking towards next season. They're not technically out. I don't think. I mean, they certainly don't control it's control the their own destiny. Yeah, their own destiny. Um, but at three and eleven, um, it's just you know, or whatever they are right now, whatever bad record they are. You know, it's it's it really does look towards the end. And I think you have to kind of rip the bandaid off and maybe set a new culture. Like I think you have Bobby Dice taking over, but then you have Sean Burke kind of making the moves that he wants uh, just to instill a a little bit of a, you know, just a new, just a new environment because I, I, you know, he mentioned today in his, in the presser that, you know, I think he, he, I thought this was a bit weird, but I mean, obviously things weren't easy when you're losing. It's not fun to come into the office, but he said guys playing a little more freely. I thought to myself, well, are these guys just, you know, hey guys, relax. The, the, the stress is off. You're not making the playoffs. It's, you know, we're not doing anything special this year. We fired our head coach, so stop walking around on eggshells. think you'd be kind of maybe not bringing in an iron fist just with so much turnover that there is every season you can't really do that you do want to you know there is a bit of a two-way street there right players want to see where where your team's where the organization is headed and the organization wants to evaluate players and see if they're worth committing to beyond what's been a couple horrible seasons so there is a little bit of a process here it'll be interesting to see who you know who candidates are i mean a lot you know i don't you know, we know we don't talk about it as much, but I, I don't think it should be a concern. But Mike O'Shea hasn't signed anything. You know, Buck Pierce very well could be leading this offense to a second consecutive Grey Cup under his leadership as OC, and he's gonna be a guy. There's guys like Mark out in, in Calgary. So there's a lot of there's a lot of, you know, names being tossed out there. Maybe Sean Burke has his own has his own connection or own guy, whatever. But uh, you know, I think it does make sense now. I think the toughest part was not being able to have you know someone because Paula Police was the OC as well how are you going to fix those two roles but i don't think they care all that much so it's still something that they probably won't be moving on you know moving forward and and again turn the page on this season but still drag this next month out and let the fans let the fans cheer a little bit for something because they haven't had something to cheer for um, you know at home games but it's just a shame that it's at Lapo's expense
0: all right uh, Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press with us you mentioned you were on uh, jet's duty yesterday hmm. um Listen, Saturday was all about Dale Howarchuk before the game. After the game, it was all about Brad Lambert and, you know, this young man oh. has played two preseason games, albeit not against, you know, the the elite elite NHL competition. Uh but it's hard to imagine him doing much more to excite a fan base with what he showed. He's still around. Does not is not signed yet, which is I think important to note, but yeah. I would imagine that will come soon at some point especially if he's going to be sticking with the club and the organization as opposed to going to junior um this is exactly what you want a young player to do pop in pop you know jump off the page make the most of every opportunity and give a coaching staff some tough decisions um it was amazing to see Lambert thrown out as often as he was late in the game and then of course again every second shift in overtime Jeff um How much has he achieved over the course of these two games, do you think, in the eyes of the coaching staff? And where are you at right now? This was our why not question of the day. Where does it make the most sense to have Brad Lambert play this year, both for the player and the organization? Is it the Western Hockey League? Is it with the American Hockey League Manitoba Moose? Or, like some people already say, well, listen, this guy needs to get an opportunity in the National Hockey League. I'm not sure that that would be the case beyond a nine-game um bit but I mean just what do you think about this and what are you hearing around the team when you were there the day afterwards when I think a lot of people were still talking about the performance of the 18 year old Finn
4: Look, I don't think the, you know, the organization was talking much about Brad Lambert at all. Like, I don't think he was the focus. I don't think Rick Bonus was going into this camp thinking, I mean, I'm not suggesting that he's not aware of the pick or that, you know, or sees him as a a good player or or it wasn't willing to give him a good look. But then, you know, the focus was not with how much this team needs to do. The focus was not going to be on an 18 year old late, you know, late first round pick. Brad Lambert changed the narrative in his last two games. And I think what you see with Rick bonus, you know, you talked about the frequency in which they put him out there. I think that's a, that's a testament to his play and, and, and an early indicator of what Rick bonus might do for the players that are moving and, and creating things, you know, he's rewarding good play. And I think that's what we would, that, that's what we've seen, you know, both good play from Brad Lambert and the rewarding of more shifts because of it. And so I think he's put himself into at least the conversation, you know, he's, He's standing out, you know, better than guys. And this is where you need to be put a little bit of like, you know, pump the brakes here, right? We're early in the preseason. They're not playing against top end competition. You know, they are playing against guys that care. And if you talk to guy, I've talked to a lot of NHL veterans and you know, they'll say stuff like if you want to go bet on preseason games, go bet on the team that has all the guys that you don't recognize because they're, you know, early, early into camp, because those are the guys that are skating significantly harder then the veterans that go in they're not they know not to you know you know whatever exert too much energy risk getting hurt in preseason when things don't really matter i know fans don't like to hear that but that's just kind of the case and so it's hard to really look at a guy during this part of the preseason whether that and I was going to say a Blake Wheeler right because I think a Blake Wheeler has not been going you know for lack of a better phrase balls to the wall as we've seen him when he's at his best and you know his greatest effort doing that in game two of the NHL preseason when they got systems to learn you know positions to be he's just no veteran of his of his years of service in this league is doing that, you know, and I'm not comparing him to Ovechkin, but he's a guy that you watch him in preseason and it's like a shinny game, regardless of what systems are happening. So, but you look at a guy like Brad Lambert and he, you know, he has stuck, he has stuck out a lot. I mean, he, he's been, he's been playing fun, creative hockey, possession hockey. And, and he's, and that's exactly what, you know Rick Bonus is preaching is hard on the puck in possession right it's when you it's it's the creativity you you get from Rick Bonus is when you have possession of the puck what he wants to instill in the players is committing to his systems when the when they don't have the puck so if you got a guy that's coming into preseason and he's getting a lot of possession and he's creating a lot of things and he's creating a lot of talk you know outside of the rink which I don't think plays much of a role media will be all over it but I think it's a lot. I think it's a it's an exciting prospect, and whether that's nine games this year, um, or you know maybe more of a season, who knows? I think at the very least, this guy has ruled out the idea of the WHL because I think that I think that was a destination based strictly on the early talks and why he dropped to thirtieth was him coming off some bad seasons. Uh, you your know, a bad season, you know, playing out in, in Finland and and then having a bad, you know, World Juniors. It was that just kind of followed him. And that was like, okay, maybe we send him to Seattle, C- yeah, we'll get his confidence up, work with the team there. I don't even think that's in the equation anymore. I think it's Moose and probably an early call-up if things continue the way they have been.
0: Yeah, well, I hope you're right uh, because I, like many, thought that, well, maybe the WHL was the best spot to get his confidence back, to let him go and sort of dominate a level. Uh, below maybe where some of his other contemporaries would be playing but I mean I think the Winnipeg Jets organization has always wanted to play top level prospects at the American Hockey League level as soon as possible and I think that's part of the reason why they've enjoyed signing U.S. college players because they don't have that 20 year old year where they have to go back so I think all that plays in Ian McLeod is an interesting interesting comment in chat come on Lambert, Lambert has a good game, and we ignore the eight shot, two goal first star game that Perfetti had. Listen, Ian, no oh, one's yeah. no, no one's ignoring Cole Perfetti. He's great. We heard from Rick Bonus earlier talking about him. But the fact of the matter is, we went to training camp not only expecting but realizing this team was probably going to be relying on Cole Perfetti, not just to be well, yeah. on the I club, mean, he's, he, he's but the be like a, a top <laughs> six player. That's, that's, yeah. Whereas Brad Lambert came in thinking that maybe we'll get a chance to see him in a preseason game when he's probably going to be playing with 16, 17, and 18-year-olds this year. And that, oh, yeah. to me, has changed significantly. And um, and as I said, I think there's a lot of benefits to the Manitoba Moose for a player like that, especially with the Chaz Lucius starting there as well. Um, but it is amazing. And, I mean, I, I, I'm really, really interested to see where he fits in assuming that he will be playing in this game again against Calgary on Wednesday night because you're exactly right Jeff even if the organization organizational plan hasn't changed at all was pretty clear that Rick Bonus's plan changed during that hockey game seeing what he was getting out of the young Finn that's wearing number 47 and that is exactly what I'm sure the GM The coach and certainly the fan base wants to see from a young man that no pressure to get anything done right now. But if you can jump off the page and force tough decisions, that's the best way you can to start a career and obviously sign an NHL contract.
4: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think the issue with him now, and that's assuming he continues throughout this you know, this training camp to do what he's done. If he falls off, assuming he plays, you know, the last two games here, if he falls off the cliff and isn't doing anything special, it's probably an easy decision. And we're talking yeah. about, wow, what, what great flashes he made it, you know, in, in preseason. Let's see if he can do it with the Moose and maybe it'll be a call-up. If he continues to do what he's doing right now and, you know, and and as the competition gets better, as we get closer to the, to the regular season, if he continues to do anything near what he's been doing through the first two examples, uh, I think he's getting, you know, probably because of numbers, Probably gets sent to the Moose is playing a high end role there and might even be the first first call up if he if he continues to do you know you know what he's been doing at the HL level. So I think it's a great story. I mean, just a quick comment on Perfetti as we already said. I mean, it's just a completely different conversation with him. I mean, certainly an impressive an impressive showing by by him and that that loss to, to Edmonton as you mentioned the the goal that got called off that was another pretty play that he would have cool. got a, another point for. I mean, that's I think the you know, we might be writing about, you know, in a few weeks here, how unfair it is on Cole Perfetti, how much expectations have been put on this kid, because he's kind of being brought in and, and, uh, you know, brought in after an 18 game season that was ended with a, with a shoulder injury and, and a rehab that was extended even longer when he hurt his back, that he was also an injury he was playing with. It was first, first ever serious injury playing sports. Um, You know, I think to expect him to to be on a, on the the Jets' top six and contribute, you know, on the power play and, and all those things, he's got enough on his plate, and the opportunity will be there. The thing we know about Cole Perfetti, though, is when he gets opportunity, he makes the most of it. Let's see if he can do it. And it will be the stiffest challenge yet. So, and this
0: is the thing. I mean, I don't think we've seen a young player in this situation in a long time where not only there's an opportunity there, but the team needs him. I mean, and we've talked a lot about yeah, exactly. Blake Wheeler. Blake Wheeler being in the top six. Um, and listen, I'm here for the uh, the uh, conversation that maybe at some point Blake Wheeler plays down in the lineup. But right now, looking at the bottom six, I mean, there isn't a replacement for a guy that can play at that level uh, right now with the club, unless of course a player like Lambert comes in. And again, this is a I I, I don't want people to think that this is a likelihood or possibility. Mm. But here's the thing: if the Winnipeg Jets lose a player or two in that top six and he's playing in Manitoba and doing well, that might be the opportunity to come in. And like we've said before, some of the best stories are guys that get an opportunity to come in and then simply make the decision too hard to ever get sent back right now. And bottom line is it's a very different conversation that we were having with Brad Lambert uh, a
4: couple of uh, weeks ago. And unlike Perfetti, um, who is generously listed at 5'11", like I don't know, I don't know who's handing the $5 bills to the guys pumping in the uh, the numbers for, for NHL.com. That was back box. when he had a
0: fade, a good <laughs> five-inch is,
4: fade. I'm telling you right now, I'm not near 5'11", uh, and I felt like I was looking him straight in the eyes when I was asking him questions the other day. <laughs> but anyways, I digress. Lambert's six feet, and he's all of it. And he's a bit, you know, he's played with men, played against men. You know, he's, he's, a, he's, he's bigger. He's not huge, but he's bigger. So I, I'm with you. Like, I mean, if, you know, I... The fact that we're even having this conversation is a testament to what he's done in training camp. And exactly. we'll continue to have this conversation until he's done something to suggest he doesn't warrant it. And right now he does. And assuming he continues to, to get those opportunities and continues to play the way he's playing, he's absolutely um, you know, putting in an option for that top six. Because I don't think you bring in an 18-year-old and you don't give him the same treatment as a Perfetti. Remember, Perfetti only has 18 NHL. He's only played 18 more NHL games than Brad Lambert has. So if, you know, if, if, if you want to protect him, bring him in, I don't know if there's two better players to surround him, you know, then, then a guy like, you know, Dubois or a guy like Blake Wheeler and, and whatever. So that would be assuming Perfetti well, was out of that spot. I'll
0: say That's, that, that, uh, that tic-tac-toe from Lambert to Perfetti to Dubois. Got a lot of people
4: talking. I was thinking about the Perfetti-Lambert Lambert connection. I stole it right from your mouth, Hus. A lot of people
0: talking about that after the game. Hey, listen, Hacksaw's coming up and we're going to get to the NFL, but just on the way out, um, what is going on with this hockey is there's another uh another fund that has been oh, unearthed by the f- folks i mean is this basically the same thing just a different account or is this is this a big deal in that this is something that was there that was not disclosed by the people that i believe are going to be back in Ottawa tomorrow.
4: so i i forget the exact fund but it's it's the name of it um it's like the, the exact, player
0: equity fund or something yeah like it,
4: it, but it is it is disingenuously broad and you know seemed like you know, almost on a bottom line if you read that you'd have no idea what it was for and ultimately credit to the globe and Mail they unveiled um, you know the release this this investigation into it it was just a second account so here's the thing businesses like hockey's a business hockey Canada is a business they're there to generate you know you know money they're there to you know you hope their intentions are good and they put in programs to benefit what is a, such a you know a large sport for a lot of people and and so but when you get to these high levels there are insurances that need to be made and whether it's buying insurance in case of lawsuits and that includes lawsuits against sexual abuse sexual assault those those cases against your members that's just whether it's hockey or another business those exist it's the lack of transparency and as they've gone through you know have been questioned by mps have been in you know been been in these these uh you know these really these sessions of being, you know, drilled and questioned in Parliament, they just, they, you know, this is when you come clean, because they're everyone is already calling for your heads. And if you're not going to come out and your approach isn't to be to give out all the information you possibly can to, to explain why you do this to be transparent, um, then you're then it's just going to be continue to dig your hole. And then this one, I don't know, I don't like I'd like to think I wonder why they haven't cleaned house already. The fact that this is you know, this, you know, people have been calling this the final nail in the coffin or whatever. I hope so. But I mean, they need to, you know, there needs to be some action here because this is just another account of hiding just the most heinous things you can in sport, which in this case is sexual abuse and sexual assault. And not not letting anyone know that this second account happens and having a news organization just add on. And at coincid- I don't think it's a coincidence, but they're back. They're back being questioned tomorrow. So this is the perfect timing for that release. And, you know, I'll be, I'll be like many people interested to see what the explanation is here. And more importantly, um, what steps are taken and and what, what can be done to really, you know, whether it's a complete audit of Hockey Canada, whether it's, you know, a complete cleaning of house, bringing in new, you know, new leadership, all those things, because the trust is already damaged. To have this just add to what's been a, you know, a blazing fire is just, I don't know. You just roll your eyes and shake your head and 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 you know hope for the best, really.
0: Yeah. Well, going to be an interesting week down on uh, Capitol Hill for sure. Hammer, thanks for doing this as always. Look forward to catching up later on this week and uh, everything you got going on about both the blue and gold and the Jets as they get ready for the season. Thanks for doing
4: this. Yeah, always a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on.
0: Good stuff. There's Jeff Hamilton. Hacksaw's ready to go. Uh, just before we do that, a big thanks to our friends at Princess Auto. Wow, Princess Auto Tailgate Zone before the game was awesome on Friday night. And we'll get it going on Saturday afternoon before a 6 p.m. Bombers-Elks game coming up this weekend. $5 beers, $3.50 hot dogs and pop, DJ Finesse spinning. It is the place to be before each and every Winnipeg Jet game. And of course, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at princess auto two locations in winnipeg panett road portage avenue west and you can always shop online 24 7 365 at princessauto.com uh our friends at culligan water have been the leaders in the water business for over 65 years family owned here in winnipeg and serving winnipeg and southern manitoba They've got water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whether for the home, the cottage, or your business, Culligan has you covered. Pop down and see the Culligan Man at 1200 Sargent Avenue, 6945180, and online at drinkculligan.com. Great Monday nighter. We're going to get to some NFL with Hacksaw right away. Uh... But, folks, if you're thinking about where to go to watch the game tonight, may I suggest your local Boston pizza. You can enjoy delicious BP pizza flights and ice-cold bud draft on special for 5 bucks every game. And you can enter to win one of two grand prize trips for an NFL weekend in Vegas, including airfare, hotel, NFL game tickets, and a bonus NHL game. First trip is next month, the 11th to 13th of November. Raiders-Colts plus the Golden Knights and Blues on Saturday night. And the second trip is New Year's Eve weekend Raiders and Niners, and the Knights and Preds on New Year's Eve. Watch the NFL and enter to win at any Winnipeg Selkirk Steinbach Morton and Portage, Boston Pizza location. Speaking of that Monday nighter in the weekend in the NFL, let's welcome in, in the most tranquil of settings. I think we have ever spoken with our friend Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. That's the saw joins herself now. Lee, that's no bookshelf behind you. What's going on?
5: I can hear you. Do you hear me?
0: Oh, great stuff, Hacksaw. Great stuff. Thanks so much. And, yes, a, a beautiful background. We had to work through a little tech right now, but that's not a bookshelf behind you.
5: No, I'm at my cottage in upstate New York near the Canadian border, and we were fine. I listened to your interview with your prior guest, and just as you signed off, all your audio and video disappeared on me. And unlike you, technology is kind of strange to me, so... We got it done. we are back to hooked up at least via cell phone. What can I do for you? We've got a lot of topics on the table. Let's buzz through this.
0: Well, we certainly will. Lee, uh, first off, what'd you think of that Sunday night or last night? Huge win for the Chiefs. They needed that one after really giving one away against the Colts last week. And uh, a Tampa team that had a great offensive performance, but for the first time this year, really saw their defense get uh, get worked for the better part of 60 minutes.
5: Yeah, it's not the Tampa Bay team that we've seen in the Tom Brady era under Bruce Arians. They've got a lot of nagging injuries on the offensive side of the football. I think they ran the ball only six times last night. Brady threw it 52. That's an awful lot of exposures to the quarterback. He hung in there. He did about as much as he could. Mahomes was Mahomes. They really came out, seemed to play on the edge. They went down the field a lot more. And all those new guys are starting to make contributions to the team. A lot of football to be played. Kansas City is atop the AFC West and suddenly the division you and I talked extensively about about being so good. Everybody's got problems in the AFC West. That's not Kansas City. The Chargers have problems, the Raiders have problems, and the Denver Broncos are just an absolute mess.
0: Well, yeah, let's get to that one because um, I mean I, I was on, <clears throat> on the Raiders yesterday just thinking that I mean they needed to save their season. Starting 0 4 in that division, basically you may as well get to next year territory. Um, They got the win, but man, this uh, if people were thinking that Russell Wilson was just going to show up in Denver and turn them into a Super Bowl contender, doesn't seem like that's happened through the first four games. They have really struggled, and even in the games they've won, they've looked horribly.
5: Yeah, hi, right, let's go team by team. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett just seems to be in over his head as a head coach. Uh, Russell Wilson does not look like vintage Russell Wilson. I don't know whether he woke up this year as an old man. He just does not seem to be the same quarterback. Uh, They've had a lot of injury problems with all their skilled young wide receivers. So there's just a lot of difficulty in Denver. And I think the jury is still really out, Andrew, as to whether or not Nathan Hackett turned out to be the right guy that they should have hired because they've shown no signs through four weeks that they're a dangerous team at all. In terms of the Raiders, they desperately needed that win. Josh Jacobs ran for 144. He's hardly ever done that. He's been a huge disappointment as a high number one pick. They did get the ball to Devontae Adams 10 times. They've got to use him. they got to use Darren, uh, r- 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 the uh, tight end. And they have, they have to get Renfro back from the concussion situation. I still don't believe that the Raiders have an awful lot on the defensive side of the football. So, yes, they needed that win. They got the win. They got the win. It's a really troubled Denver Broncos team. I don't know what it foretells for the future Josh McDaniels club. The Chargers, everybody was using the word Super Bowl contender. Well, they are really badly hurt. Uh, Justin Herbert has gritted through two games. He did throw for 340 yesterday. It's kind of a wing in a prayer. They're not running 100% of the playbook because he can't move the pocket and risk running with the ball and taking a hit. This fractured rib cartilage thing is going to go on for probably six weeks for him, so they're going to have to play a restricted offense around him. Still not running the football very well. Uh, Keenan Allen, the star wide receiver, retweaked his hamstring Thursday and then Saturday on a walkthrough. He's out again. No Joey Bosa. Did not have much of a pass rush aside from pillow Mac on one or two plays. And the Chargers, Chargers had seven guys out of the lineup with injuries yesterday, and they're not all going to heal real quick. So, And the Chargers got to go on the road to Cleveland next week, and Cleveland's angry as hell because they're losing. Uh, not going to be an easy time. And, and Brandon Staley's got issues. He's got issues all over the roster because all the guys that are hurt are pretty much the most important guys. And that quarterback is one hit away from going down again with more rib problems. So just not what we thought they would be just four weeks ago.
0: Well, and, and speaking of quarterbacks one hit away, we'll get to the NFC and some of the other games from Sunday, but probably the biggest story in the national football, he comes out of the Thursday nighter with the very scary injury to Tua. Uh, And uh, we're seeing today that he has officially been ruled out for week five. But um, there's an investigation into this, Lee. It looked horrible the previous Sunday when he came back in. And it ended even more horribly on Thursday night. What did you think of the fact that he played? What we saw happen on Thursday night? and What are you hearing that's transpired since then in the aftermath of that scary injury in front of the entire continent?
5: Well, a certain segment of society says this is malpractice on the NFL's part. Another segment of society says it was malfeasance of the doctors who run the concussion protocol program. The lead doctor who, who's who been fired was accused of, of mishandling the whole case. Now, I will say this. After the first injury, when when he got hammered really badly, back of the head hit the turf, we all thought he had a concussion. They came back. He played in the second half and he indicated he had a back issue that was causing spasms. He did go through concussion protocol. He was examined every day last week, despite the fact that it was not a concussion. And he tested clean, tested positive. Then it goes on and he just takes a savage hit in the game this past weekend. And he's out indefinitely with a concussion. So there are, there's, they're, they're changing the protocols, Andrew, and what they're going to do is they are going to have a three doctor committee evaluate Tua every day. They'll do scans and exams and put them through whatever the normal testing is. The data will be turned over to three independent physicians. You know, you you want to believe that the NFL has the best interest of the player at heart. But the the question you raise is, this guy get took two savage hits in a five day span, and nobody seemed to think there was anything wrong here. So it's a complicated process. Was he being honest? I hope he was. Was the club kind of covering it up? I hope not. But the the last wallop he took, I think is going to put him out. And I've seen guys with concussions go out three to five weeks. I had a quarterback in San Diego with the Chargers Super Bowl. Quarterback Stan Humphers took one shot, got a concussion, and it was the end of his career. And we've all seen the historic picture of Frank Gifford knocked out for an entire year on a Chuck Bednarik hit. Gifford was a star with the New York football giants. So the game is so fast and so violent and the hits have been so savage. I don't know what else the Lions can do. And I think the stunning thing, we've had a series of concussions in the first four weeks of the season, Andrew. And this is after a preseason in which concussions were down 50%. I don't know if it's just a lot of headhunting going on or whether it's just, just the fate of the game, but the league, is, the league is going to change the protocols again because they got to protect everybody, not just the star quarterback, but everybody. But boy, this this seriously looks bad for the league.
0: Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that there's more concussions now and, and some might say that's actually a positive thing because I'm not sure there's more or less concussions happening. It just might be that they're actually identifying them and keeping the players out of the game. And that was what was so concerning about TuA because there's many people that saw that game against the bills the week before didn't think he had any business going back into that game. And on the short week thought it was crazy that he was playing on Thursday night. And unfortunately we know how that ended up. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton is our guest breaking down the week in the national football league. Lee over to the NFC for a minute. Certainly a lot of Vikings fans were breathing easier late morning when the international double doink happened for the new Orleans saints. I mean, I mean, The Vikings moved the football. They were just brutal in the red zone. And lo and behold, they had a tight, you know, a real nail biter going through. Um, And then there's the Green Bay Packers who got a win, but get pushed to the limit right to the end of overtime by the New England Patriots and their third string quarterback. And then there's Detroit Lions who are the first team in NFL history to score 140 and give up 140 in their first four games. That, uh... NFC North has a lot going on right now, and no one really establishing themselves as the clear-cut number one team.
5: Well, we know things about Green Bay. They've got the greatness of the quarterback. We know they've got the greatness of probably be a 1,000-yard rusher uh, in uh, that guy. Uh, They don't have Devontae Adams. And I think Aaron Rodgers is dragging along all this new collection of wide receivers and trying to teach him on the go how to be a pro and to get the job done. Green Bay is still, I think, really rugged defensively. Just just ask the the Patriots starting quarterback who got knocked out yesterday in Brian Hoyer on a heavy-duty hit by Rashawn Gary. Uh, I think Green Bay's going to be okay over the long stretch of time. Detroit's making real progress. I I, I think Dan Campbell's done a good job. Maybe not a complete roster. But I'll tell you what, somehow they have convinced Jared Goff to quit throwing interceptions. You know, Goff threw for, I don't know, 424 yesterday. I was very impressed with him. And they they did have DeAndre Swift. Now, he's out for a couple of weeks with a shoulder injury, but that's a heavy-duty running back that got out of Georgia. Uh, They got a bunch of new names at tight end and at wide receiver, and they play really hard for Dan Campbell. So Detroit is getting progressively better and better, even if they lost 48-45 to Seattle. Minnesota, Kevin O'Connell's got all the bullets in the gun. If If he can keep Dalvin Cook on the field, and if he can just trust Kirk Cousins not to make bad throws, They're going to be really good offensively. Justin Jefferson is just an absolute beast right now. And the other team in the division, I don't know how Chicago can rationalize to its fans or rationalize to their own people in the front offices. The quarterback's completing 10 to 11 passes a game, and they're trying to run it and play defense. Well, In modern-day NFL football, that just does not work. And Justin Fields just has not taken the next step up, and they can't protect him. He takes sacks. He does turn it over. You know, they had one game he was 11 for 23 throwing the football. Another game he completed seven passes. That's just horrific statistics in the modern-day NFL. So he's played a year and a half in the league, and I don't think they really know whether the ex-Ohio State quarterback is the right guy for the job. But uh, they, it's like they're playing Neanderthal football. It's, it's not very entertaining in Chicago. And by the way, Bear fans, winter's coming.
0: Yeah, it certainly doesn't seem like they've got a lot of confidence in Justin Fields with the way things are set up in Chicago. Uh, NFC least no more. Are the Eagles the team to beat in the NFC right now? And what do you make of the three and one starts for the Giants and the Cowboys with Dak Prescott on the IR?
5: I tell you what, that quarterback has done a phenomenal job in Dallas. I don't know that any expected anyone expected Cooper Rush to be four and zero as a starter in the NFL, but he doesn't make mistakes, and he just stands tough in the pocket, and he makes plays. And, you know, they're doing this without half their wide receiver core. They still have not gotten Michael Gallup really back on the field from the, the knee problems that he had last year. And C.D. Lamb needs an ultimate guy on the other side to become a dangerous receiver. Again, it's kind of it's kind of intriguing, but Rush is not making mistakes under pressure doing it, and sometimes they run it, and a bunch of times that they throw it. Philadelphia, you know, last week, I think when we chatted on the notebook segment, we used the term beast in the East. And, you know, we were making obviously references to Buffalo and Miami. <laughs> well, how about Philadelphia? 4-0. and I I could see this coming. I, I, Jalen Hurts had a, a real breakout year last year. And now the second year under Nick Sirianni, he's doing really well. They've got a load of wide receivers. they they got multiples of running back. And Miles Sanders, a kid from Penn State, has finally evolved into a really good back. Now they got to keep him on the heel because he was doing this last season when he got hurt, but GCD galloped for, I think, 146 in that Eagle win yesterday. So they're the real deal. And defensively, nobody talks about that high number one pick Jordan Davis standing alongside Fletcher Cox. And that Eagle's defense just punches you in the mouth. So that looks like a complete football team, and they may well be the beast in the East.
0: Folks, make sure you check out LeeHacksawHamilton.com for All of the info coming out of a huge sports weekend. Lee, just before we go, Monday Nighter: two teams you know very well, LA Rams, San Francisco 49ers. This is a rivalry that's been dominated by Kyle Shanahan and the Niners right up until that meltdown in the NFC Championship game last year. Uh, What do you think about tonight and uh, who you got?
5: I got to believe the Rams. You know, McVay is coaching them really hard, trying to fix everything that is, is wrong with that club might be the Super Bowl champion, but they got so many injuries. To me, it's a really big issue in Los Angeles this is whether they can go, you know, 14, 15 more weeks if they don't have everybody there. Uh, and there is no no Odell Beckham signing. And I think they really miss Robert Ward's. They've yet to figure a way to use the ex bear, Allen Robinson. Cooper Cup is catching everything and they're throwing everything at him. Uh, but they're still they're still really good. Uh, San Francisco, I don't know what to think of go off. Well, oh boy, he had a a weird statistic weekend last weekend. He's got to play better and not make mistakes. And that includes don't put the ball on the ground. That includes get rid of it. Don't take sacks. Don't throw interceptions. And God, we don't step out of the back of the end zone. Have presence of mind where you are, you know, if San Francisco loses this one. They're, they're going to be one and three. Um, they, they, they need a win. I don't know that they can run through this roadblock. That, that is the Rams to get them to win it. Be a fun game. And they are fierce rivals.
0: Lee, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, enjoy your time away from SoCal.
5: Hey, appreciate it. Sorry for the uh, the connectivity problems, but do you know where I am. Does this mean when, maybe when I go to Ireland, we shouldn't try to do the notebook from Ireland?
0: We'll just try and get you up beforehand. Make sure we're good. We, we, we'd we miss you too much before you go, Lee.
5: Okay, good to talk to you. Catch you later at the end of the week.
0: Thanks so much. Uh, LeeHacksawHamilton.com, folks. Make sure to check it out and his new YouTube channel, podcasting, cranking out the content all the time is one of the hardest working men in the game. All right, uh hey, shout out to Nick and Nikki DQ. Uh, I can't believe uh, we've been talking a little bit about this gorgeous weather we've been having and continue to have. Great spot for an extra couple family trips over to the Nick and Nikki DQ for uh, the great taste of summer that we enjoy 12 months a year. Of course, blizzard treats, stack burgers, chicken fingers fries, all their ice cream novelties. All available at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs, the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And hey, if you have got uh, you want a, a nice ice cream cake for Thanksgiving coming up or a birthday, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. And uh, we'll uh, get you all set up for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And a big shout out to our friends at Little Brown Jug Brewing on board with us since the start Winnipeg's favorite local beer the 1919 but there's so much more than 1919 over at Little Brown Jug if you haven't already try the good times variety pack with four Little Brown Jug favorites or maybe the best way to do it pop on down and see them in person at the brewery and tap room on William Avenue try all the Little Brown Jug beers a little sampler if you will and you can take home whatever you want. Okay. Of course you can also order online from Little Brown Jug for citywide home delivery 3 days a week at littlebrownjug.ca. Um this has been awesome. Lots going on. Let's get Michael Remus back in here I and mean, we will good work with getting Hacksaw in there. That was a bit of a challenge, but there's no way we could have missed Friday and then Monday was so much going on in the National Football League and I definitely wanted to talk to him today as well about this game tonight. A little surprised he's leaning Rams, considering just how much the Niners have handled the Rams for the most part under McVay and Shanahan's t- tenures.
1: Yeah, had to do a bit of maneuvering there to get him in. I don't know what what happened. Didn't select the microphone. Oh, oh well, we called him, worked out, looking forward to, uh, to this game tonight. And it's funny, you know, Trey Lance kind of struggled. Jimmy G comes in. You're like, oh, Jimmy G, great backup. And last game, it's like, oh, this is why they tried to trade Jimmy G. So which uh, which Forty Niners team will we see tonight? I think the injury to uh, Eli Mitchell, the running back, um, definitely hurt. They've had Jeff to,
0: Wilson time.
1: Yeah, they've and they've had to run. I think Debo Samuel a bit more. You know, you get pretty banged up doing that. But you saw, you know, into the playoffs how how good he is. Rams off to with the slow start there, but have picked it up. And uh, Cooper Cup. I mean, this guy is basically a lock for well, like one hundred yards every game. So. Uh, I do like watching the Rams' offense. We'll see uh, how it goes tonight.
0: Yeah, a couple of big uh, just today's news from the National Football League: Tua uh, ruled out for Week Five, as I mentioned with Lee. Um, Javante Williams, Broncos running back, has a torn ACL and LCL. He'll head to the IR. And L Patterson, who's had a, just a great start to the season and was a big part of the win for the Falcons over the Browns yesterday, is on IR after a knee procedure. And rookie running back Brian Robinson, who was shot in a carjacking during training camp, has been activated by the Washington Commanders as well. And uh, uh, Jameson Crowder in Buffalo, Bill's receiver, has a broken foot as well. Um, so anyways, that's all the NFL news. Of course, uh, check out Lee's website for more on that. Um, Reem, before we go, there was a lot coming out of this weekend that we want to get to. We talked about Lapo getting fired. Um what is this What is this digital board ad uh, technology okay. that uh, you were excited to big, talk about?
1: Big story from Greg washinsky on ESPN. So they have this new technology, you know, board ads. So they're going to be putting on digital board ads. They can replace the existing ones and put on um, whatever. So, you know, I think you saw this during the World Cup of Hockey where they had like, a board taking over a whole section. You can switch the ads. So if you're you know, redoing a national game, you have all these local board ads. You can show them to a national audience. Uh, I'm worried it's going to be a bit distracting. Maybe we'll get used to it. If they're switching them often, it's going to be annoying, but it's something to watch uh, this season. They've been working on this technology for years, Hustler, that they can digitally change the board ads. So I don't... I don't know. I feel bad for the, I guess the companies, you know, when you're buying a board ad, you think you're going to be getting on all the TV, but do they mean, are they going to be lowering the prices of the board well, ads? That, now that is them?
0: exactly what I thought. As someone yeah. used to sell Rink Boards, I'm like, oh my God. I mean, the whole reason you sell those and buy those is because of the hits you're going to get on the broadcasted games. And if now all of a sudden the TV stations that are broadcasting can put their own ads in, um, that's a real, real challenge for the team. Now again, I'm sure it all goes
1: in somehow to HRR, but um... oh, they're going to say it's all about gambling because it is because they want to show these games in in Europe or wherever and put their own gambling ads because you know one company might be regulated in one area and not regulated in another. So oh, you're talking about HRR. I thought you were going to talk about gambling because it all comes back to gambling us in 2022. That's how you get up. Move up the HRR. That's why the salary caps moving up uh, when Elliot had that last week, moving up a yeah. bunch of million.
0: Yeah, well, we'll we'll pay attention to that. That'll be a Remus's department of jersey uh, innovation, and now mm-hmm. new rink boards will be touched on as we go forward. Uh, oh, the Maybe Kraken, can... by the way, uh, unveiled a weird-ass mascot. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, well, I thought you were going Bowie... to say, you know, we're going to be closer now to a Winnipeg Sports Talk board ad. Uh, on a tsn broadcast.
0: you know we might be able to do that well the broadcast i i'm I, hey we're local we're we're maybe we're the local guys that get to stay on the board ads for people that actually go to the games and mm-hmm. then for people that don't go to the games they'll see whatever gambling site advertising what the live line is on the boards in the middle of the game yeah i'll
1: have i know who to call who does the the jets broadcast so you know, often inquire but uh this Kraken so new mascots the Kraken announces mascot Bowie the troll <laughs> you see this thing what is what I, is I, this?
0: I did see it and people are already like typical internet this is already the second coolest mascot outside of gritty who gets all of the uh, all of the love this is a we-
2: <laughs> what <laughs> is, it is. This?
0: what is Bowie the troll. The new mascot of the Seattle Kraken. I'm like I'm a big mascot guy. This is one of the most weird looking mascots. And again, I'm a big supporter of King Cake Baby, the secondary mascot of the New Orleans Pelicans, which freaks out a lot of people. I'll take King Cake Baby over Bowie any
1: day. This is I I don't know what to think. Like I'm I'm afraid of this thing. I don't know what it is. It's got a. Like the anchor earring tentacle come out of its hair. I'm not sure about this one, Hus. Not as frightening as a uh, howler, the Oilers mascot, but Hunter, Hunter, sorry, Hunter. Howler is someone else. I think is that the Coyotes mascot. I don't like see this thing and want to give it a hug. Uh, isn't that <laughs> what you want from a mascot? Like our kid. I feel like kids are gonna see this, and. By the way, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. It's got these hairy ears that it's are like. Ugly chopped.
0: Smurf says MC Stormy. Uh, is it a sea troll thing? Well, it is a troll. I'm, I'm not familiar what a sea troll is. Or I mean, when I think of trolls, I think of losers on the Internet. So I wasn't exactly. <laughs> that
1: kind of, I think it's <laughs> troll like the figure with the hair that is all spiky. Oh,
0: those sort the trolls. Here's yes. a, in,
1: from Bleacher Reports got this shot. I don't know. It's Well, that's enough
0: mascot talk today on WST, but there you go. If you're listening on the podcast wondering, you can check the the pod at the end and you will have all of that. Um, Daryl Sutter is in prime form right now. We talked last year about the blast at Matthew Kachuk when he was asked about Tyler Toffoli and said, well, the difference between those guys is one guy has won Stanley Cups and been a part of long playoff runs. Obvious shade to a top player on his former team. And then another beauty, Remo, Daryl Sutter, says that Jonathan Huberto is the best passer the Flames have ever had. The shade for the guys that left continues from the head coach.
1: Yeah, that's, um, I mean, pretty pretty awesome, (laughs) awesome quote. I mean, he's not directly saying Gaudreau sucks, but uh, pretty funny that he would say that he's the best passer the team has ever had, maybe ever. So uh, a little shade on those two guys. They're free to do whatever they want. But uh, shout out to Brad Schlepping who uh, you know turned this Flames team. On. We were like saying, "Oh, they're screwed," and now, hey, Flames might uh, run it back here. One of the top teams in the league. So, uh, well done, Daryl Sutter. Thank you.
0: Well, they better hope that they've got the best pass they've ever had because they're giving them ten and a half million for the next eight years, or maybe yeah. nine <laughs> years, actually. Now that I think about it. So, um, that will certainly be the uh, be the spot. Now. <clears throat> um, Antonio Brown's in the news again, Reem.
1: Yeah, I was hoping we didn't have to talk about Antonio Brown.
0: Well, listen, I'll just mention this, and if you have not seen the story or seen the photos, um, it has been everywhere, but Antonio Brown recently was in Dubai and was basically nude in the pool, was swimming and putting his ass out in some apparently strange woman's face, And then more pictures surfaced of Antonio basically whipping his hog out of the pool. And I I say this because, yes, of course, it's ridiculous. If you did that anywhere in North America, I'd imagine that there would be some sort of harassment or some charge that would come along with it. Um, But then Antonio goes and, you know, quote tweets someone else that made a joke about Antonio Brown to be a good free agent signing because he can expose the D um, yeah, that has been that
1: poor taste test. That's... Yeah,
0: and, and then and he and he put that out and tagged the at NFL in it. Um, if you don't, uh, the, he Antonio Brown is a living proof of the damage that concussions can do. I'm convinced that he is just not the same guy as he was before he almost got his head removed from his torso by Vontae perfect back in those violent Pittsburgh Cincinnati games. And um, anyways. Another story, I don't think we're ever going to see or hear of Antonio Brown playing another down in the national football game. Uh, But unfortunately, we'll hear more about Antonio Brown if he keeps on doing ridiculous incidents like this.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty gross uh, seeing that he took it out in a pool in Dubai and the pictures online and then making jokes after it, not – yeah, he's he's definitely not okay. There's something going on there, and this is the guy who, what, walked off the field last year and said goodbye to his team. So, um, yeah, it was it was pretty pretty gross. All
0: right, and one final uh, one final story today, <clears throat> and it's from the world of fishing. And Remo, over the course of the weekend, there was. An absolute, it, it was a, uh, this would be the equivalent of, oh, it's a scandal. I mean, there's no other way about it. Now, I am not as familiar with the entire um, nature of the fishing world. And I know there's a few different tours, but this was an event in Ohio uh, that, and a number of events and prizes upwards of $100,000 for some of these events. And these guys that won the event, And they'd won many events, and there was many accusations that in the past they thought that these guys had been cheating. Well, this weekend, they got busted, uh, caught red-handed with putting weights in, in fish that they'd caught, as well as stuffing their fish with walleye fillets from other fish. And if you've seen the video for this, it really is stunning in the fact that the rage of everybody else in this event that it suspected these guys for a while was around and the guy that was essentially they said they were calling the police and making sure that these guys were not attacked um and I can imagine it because these guys have essentially if they have been cheating all this time stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars from the rest of the sport if you're watching us on YouTube there's some of these uh, these things coming out um you know man we First, we had that the chess controversy with the anal birds, uh, um, beads. Anal beads. Yes, I couldn't remember what they were called. Now we've got this fishing cheating controversy, Remo. Someone said to me, we're just waiting for some sort of scandal at the script. Spelling bee coming up now after the way that the world is going down. Whatever happened to clean, friendly competition? It certainly doesn't seem like that's it, happening. It's really
1: right sad now. that when you have a competition and money on the line... People can't help themselves. Uh, I like to pride myself on being an, an honest guy. I don't think I could could do that. But um, what some people will do for a buck, and um, if they were cheating before, maybe there'll be more better processes to catch, you know, catch them uh, cheating in other competitions. But it seemed like people suspected it. Uh, they took a look. Yeah, that's the internet viral video of the weekend. Like in every group chat, I meant people are sending. This you wouldn't think that fishing has people, uh, people it's cheating. It's just it. it's
0: cheating and people getting caught. That uh, that certainly is that. And by the way, we cannot finish the show. I should have mentioned this earlier, though, giving some serious props to Mackenzie Hughes, who won the Sanderson Farms Invitational in a playoff yesterday against Sepp Stracka, his second his second PGA Tour win, and. As uh, Jordy, one of the Barstool guys, put up on his headline, congratulations to Canadian Mackenzie Hughes, who now has twice as many playoff wins as the Toronto Maple Leafs since the lockout.
1: Oh, since, <laughs> since lockout, man, the lockout, Amanda. The Leafs don't have any playoff wins since what, 1990? 1990... Oh, no, sorry, since like, yeah, oh, what, oh, 03 when they beat the Sanders? What is the last win?
0: The uh, Well, yeah, it's now...
1: The lockout? Is that I what I believe was?
0: so. Uh, it's been a long time, but uh, bottom line is Mac is back in the winner's circle, and any chance you can get to kind of take a, a ricochet shot at the Toronto Maple Leafs, we will certainly do that. Um, we're going to have lots to talk about coming up this week, though. I'm really looking forward to getting more from the Winnipeg Jets, more on Brad Lambert as we get closer to Wednesday's game. Bombers will be back at practice, Reem, as they get ready to run it back at home against the Elks on Saturday. And um, be lots of interesting talk in the, uh, in the uh, next coming days in the national football league coming out of tonight's game as to what some of these rosters look like. And I know the fantasy football extravaganza will be uh, well attended tomorrow with people trying to figure out what to do about the waiver wire. But uh, that being said, fun show today coming out just an amazing weekend and I cannot wait for this game tonight.
1: Yeah. You mentioned the Javante Williams injury before that's, that was a pretty big one. So a lot, a lot of injuries uh, in NFL this week. Jonathan Taylor banged up. But NFL tonight, yeah, great weekend though. I don't know what the highlight was for me. If it was SmackDown, the Howard Chuck unveiling, Brad Lambert Bombers win. A lot of lot of choices for highlight of of the weekend. It's funny I had to make the image, the cover image. Like uh, I picked pick Brad Lambert. I was like, oh, I could have picked the Howard Chuck statue. But a lot of talk. So much talk about Brad Lambert. We've bumped Cole Perfetti's great preseason off the front page.
0: Well, trust me, Cole Perfetti. Hopefully we'll be having these conversations about Cole Perfetti starting on the 14th of October October, when the Jets take on the New York Rangers. All right. We got to get out, folks, to get this podcast up for everyone listening on the way home today. Thanks so much to Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, Jeff Hamilton. And, of course, Dave Poulin for jumping on the program today. Um, tomorrow we'll have more of the Winnipeg Jets with Mike McIntyre. We're going to hook up with Dave Naylor, talk a little CFL and NFL with Nails, and hopefully have some more from Rick Bonus and with members of the Winnipeg Jets right off the top of tomorrow's program. Big thanks to all the sponsors for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk and to all of you for making us a part of your day. If you haven't already, make sure you've hit that red subscribe button. Tell a friend about WST and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform wherever you get it. Just search Winnipeg Sports Talk. Gang, we'll see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. with the latest on the Jets, Bombers, and more right here on WST. Thanks for being with us.
5: Oh, my God! Oh! Shut it down!